This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Graph. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. New home, new logo, same old podcast, guys. Uh, how are you? And uh, yeah, it's uh, nice to be here in the uh, pleasant surroundings of, uh, of Grapple Towers. Yeah, free from any constraints. Uh, proper freedom, <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, I don't know, it's going to be the same old podcast, I think, isn't it? Just think of it mm. as when men behaving badly move from ITV to the BBC or in more recent <laughs> times when birds of a feather moved from yeah. BBC to ITV, maybe. But... I don't want to tire myself of the ITV brush, so maybe we can think of no. it as a, a Netflix or an Amazon Prime picking something up for a new series. A bit of an upgrade, mm. bit of bit bit of a budget, and a bit yeah. more freedom. We've moved to this very modern, you know, future thinking app. Uh, it kind of fits with the Netflix and the Amazon comparison. Uh, the, the the American users of Grapple, by the way, are lost already, and we're only thirty seconds in. Oh yeah, and we're not really good at giving any kind of background or context for it. You'll pick it up in time. You'll catch up. Yeah. That's the kind of way it is. Think of all your favourite podcasts that you know you listen the first week. Maybe you don't get all the references, but you know you become part of the family. You enjoy it over a few weeks. You can you catch up, don't you? Uh, I'll, hopefully. I'll, I was so. going to say I love a wire reference. Think of it like when you know. You oh, there you go. We throw more of them in. You're you're you're, throw, you're thrown into it straight away. It takes you a good five mm. six episodes, and then when they start talking about re ups and you know the five zero are out, you know what's going on. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, maybe throw in a few more football references. Maybe that's worldwide, isn't it? Like people, people all get that. What soccer references? Mm, no, well, yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that word. Yeah. <laughs> hey, JP, you watching the when you watching some football? You watching the under Ireland under twenty ones today? That's true. Well, I couldn't find a, audience. a stream that wasn't good enough, but I kept updates on the uh, Air Sport Twitter feed. Three uh, 0 <laughs> win against a Luxembourg side that you may scoff at, but. By all accounts, not that bad. Uh, yeah, bright times ahead, and hopefully John Delaney out of the FAI along with the rest of that godforsaken board. Yeah, that means nothing to anyone other than about five other people who listen to this. But yeah, hopefully t- uh, times are changing in Irish football. But the Ireland-Gibraltar game was absolutely awful. That was a, a horrible way to spend two hours of your life. One 1-0 <laughs> in gale force conditions with uh, the rock of Gibraltar in the background. You really do like to punish yourself, though. Watching I really that, do, yeah. Watching Matt Taven versus Jay Lee for an hour yeah. match, watching AAA, like, yeah. you are a martyr to shite, mm. aren't you? I really am, aren't I? Yeah. So if the, if the juggalos start uh, getting back up again, I'll probably find myself <laughs> watching that. Magnets, how do they work? Yeah, J- JP is like the, uh, for anyone who's new, he's like, you'll be like our, our canary, is that right? Yeah. We'll just send you in to watch the worst. Because we're going to talk, like, the show is pretty much, we're going to be weekly every Monday. We're going to really just be talking wherever we've watched in the week or wherever has caught our eye in the wrestling world. But yeah, I'm expecting some corkers from, from you, JP. And uh, maybe oh. some women's extreme wrestling at some point. I'd uh, to delve Rob Van Damme documentary I've heard you're interested in. Well, I think it's the wrestling stuff on Amazon. We're talking about mm. Amazon Prime earlier on, but the stuff on there—it's it's, to say it's wacky—is incredible. Yeah, that's some... just Shikara. Yeah, they have all Shikara, Bushido, um, mm. sorry, UW, UWFI. They've got um, oh, what was the name of it? Something called like Dojo Pro, where you can see under the ring. That was that was quite. It looks quite weird. Why but... do you want to see under Joey the ring? Joey Janela was on it. Why do you want to see under the ring? Um, they do moves around like under the ring as well. So they do like leg locks around the what? ring post and stuff. What? And that's their selling point. 
It seems it's like <laughs> television wrestling. It's quite strange. I've never heard of it before. That's like trying to sell your wrestling on being unique with a six-sided ring. But, yeah, yeah, that didn't work, did it? I've seen a company doing it today with an inexplicably large crowd, but we'll talk about that later on. Something I've been meaning to mention, I watched a couple of weeks ago, I watched it. Have you ever seen any of Amazing Red's promotion? They've got a show over Mania Weekend. House, House of, of Glory, Glory. yeah. They had, a, they had a match with uh, No Ropes. Uh, it was Amazing Red versus Anthony Gangon. Uh, it never got any buzz like at the time it came on, but it was, re- you know, like Amazing Red is like he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Like as a, as an innovator in indie wrestling, and genuinely like what they did with the gimmick was so good. Like they had, th- there were no ropes, but the ring posts were still there. So the Red would use it to kind of step up and do moon salts or <laughs> use it as a weapon. It was really cool to be honest. It made me think oh, I want to see more. Maybe I don't really need to see what's under the ring, but more like. It kind of added a layer of creativity, like they could take bumps off the side of the ring, um, like do spots like right on the edge of the ring, do things quite quite interesting. I don't know what you do uh, under the ring, though. When was it from? It was like September last year. Oh, he's still um, wrestling then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the um, Mania Weekend show, isn't he, JP? I think he is. I mean, he's, he seems mm. to be having a bit more of a revival in the last year. You'd hear about him sort of on New York Indies and stuff like that. Oh, right. I've not been following the New York Indies very closely. <laughs> so, uh... hey, Slim Jay's back as well. Like, there's all yeah. kinds of uh, all right. news from early 2000 Indies who are still going. They'll all, they'll all pop up over Mania Weekend. There's enough bookings to go around for them all. A house of glory like the new um, all-Jersey pro wrestling, maybe. <laughs> hey, they could be. They've got that... Um... Oh, what's the get Dan Maths like... retirement? Dan Maths, <laughs> Maths still around, mate. He's still wrestling. Is Matt yeah. still my friends with Homicide? Though I've noticed that on Instagram, they still don't follow each other. That beef has uh, lasted a long time. It's a great shame. Um, <laughs> House of Glory. Where are they running over WrestleMania weekend? Uh, I'd, the... have to, I'd have to look it up, but it's the show where they've got a six man and Pentagon Junior and the Great Muter on opposite sides of the ring. Loki's in the match as well. Yeah, and Homicide is as well, right? Homicide, that's it, yeah. I can't remember. Who's, on, who's the other guy on the other team then? So it's Great Muta. Uh... Great Muta, Homicide, and Loki against maybe Pentagon. I can't remember the top of my head. I don't think Phoenix is in. I saw the match, but I just don't know where they're running. Because I was wondering, is that the show in one of the shows in Jamaica, Queens, maybe? Oh, maybe. Yeah, they're kind of off the off the beaten track. It might make sense. So out with um, IPW and their card where they've announced no matches yet. <laughs> yeah, but running in the middle. IPW are kind of like the the poster boy, aren't they, for WrestleMania weekend getting overbloated? Yeah, pointless shows. They haven't got much of a buzz in the UK, let alone in the US. No one in the US is desperate to see IPW UK over WrestleMania weekend. Let's be honest here. Mm. You going to be watching that one over WrestleMania weekend? I don't think I'll have time. Given the length of WrestleMania itself, I'll be doing well to catch that bastard in above everything else. <laughs> It's allegedly, what, what did Meltzer say in the Observer this week? That it was allegedly seven hours with 16 matches, I think it was. Oh, oh my something God. Like that. Christ above. That's just like, I mean, one thing, like, again, for new listeners, that we'll, do, we're not a WWE-centric podcast. Obviously, when there's big news or there's things to, to talk about, we'll talk about them. But, yeah, I'm, I'm at a point in life where that is that is absolutely not something I'm, I'm up for at WrestleMania that long. But I say that, I'll be there moaning with everyone else watching the whole thing just to uh, j- just to put myself through it for whatever reason to do with JP. 16 matches, and how many of those how many of those matches on that card look half decent? 
or, mm. or have that great appeal to, to be honest. Mm. Well, I'm looking at yeah. the card now, and I'm thinking of, of which of the matches have they tried not to screw up along the way at various points. <laughs> um, AJ Styles and Randy Orton's the kind of, you know, it's Randy the simple Orton, build. Mate. Why does Ra- Randy Orton is the English patient of wrestling? It's <laughs> like people say, oh, it's very good. It's shit. Like, yeah. He's a like, worker's like, worker, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. The wrestler's like, look at the little things he's doing when he's grabbing that headlock. And the fans, like, those are just sitting on our hands. Yeah. Who was interested in seeing a Randy Orton singles match at a WrestleMania in 2019? <laughs> Matty Edwards. Okay, one person. How many <laughs> others? Like, honestly, yeah. it's so disappointing. But throw this out there and just do Kurt Angle, AJ Styles as Kurt's last mm. match rather than Baron fucking Corbin. Oh. And maybe throw Orton and Corbin in for two minutes together and just have an RKO spot, get it over with. That'd be nicer. <laughs> I feel sorry for Kurt Angle if that match actually goes ahead. Oh, I, can't, I, don't, I think that's an angle. I just think Cena's already been posting stuff on Instagram mm. like uh, about Baron Corbin. I think it's Cena's just going to swoop in and do the, you know, angle was his first WWE match and he's going to be angle's last match. I think that's uh, that's the yeah. natural story. I think, I think they're just trolling us. I, I really do think that's, that's the actual direction. I think they're going to do it, but wouldn't it make sense to just, I don't know, do that from the beginning? Yeah, wouldn't it make sense to have John Cena maybe? Just remove can't the entire up. Baron Corbin component yeah. and have mm. this very straightforward build. Call me fucking crazy, I don't know. Yeah, you could just have John Cena turn up and do a video promo talking about that and challenging Kurt Angle at WrestleMania rather than yeah. have to do this ridiculous trolling of fans, which... I don't know. They seem to get off on for some reason, but it doesn't make it's the them reality here. Ah, oh, yeah. they haven't used that in a while, though, have they? The reality era. No, no. But that's what they're doing, is it? Like everything, like even like I think the Kofi Kingston stuff's been built quite well. Mm. Uh, but the story is Vince McMahon doesn't want to give the fans what they want, uh, which is kind of the meta story that we all kind of believe uh, about our, about the way. You know, Vince booking matches on the fly, changing his mind at last minute. They've kind of turned that into a weird meta story. So even if, yeah, if it's not in name, the reality here is still here. It feels like they've only got one mode of booking main events now, though. Like, mm. why did the uh, women's main event need the McMahon family to get involved in any way at all? Mm. But because they've mm. got such a kind of narrow form of booking a main event program they've got them involved in that match and the daniel bryan kofi kingston match as well it just feels so Mm. i don't know so stale so effortless it's just not interesting it still relies on them going back to the crutch of this uh, what is it a 22 year angle now that has (laughs) run it run its course a very very long time ago and that's still the crutch they go back to. And they've done it so many times that in terms of television ratings, it's not like the McMahons pop them, particularly in any way, shape or form. Um, I often wonder whether or not this is going to be the mania where the kind of the, the tide really starts to turn and you can see them perhaps driving people away because it feels like this is certainly the worst booked mania that I can remember in a very, very long time. And yeah. there's been some shockers. It's a bit slap out, like, late, isn't it? Like, even now, we don't really know the card from two weeks out. I mean, we'll talk about it more next week, but yeah, when we probably, but mainly because we'll know more, because <laughs> because right now it's a bit like you can you can mainly work out the cards, but it does all feel a, a little bit last minute. Like Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio is on the card for reasons. 
Um, there's yeah. a few things like that that are that are just a bit like yeah. Um, Mandy, what happened to that, you know, that, that long build of Rey Mysterio and uh, Cien Armas? Remember when they both having killer matches on SmackDown every week, and then that just kind of fell away. Uh, it's yeah. such an odd company to watch. So, yeah, if anyone wonders why we we won't be a podcast that covers WWE week to week, I think we have uh, maybe explained ourselves there. Yeah, if anybody thinks we're going to be doing raw reviews every week, they're in for a big <laughs> surprise. That's not Look, happening. I, ch- I chose Monday as a release date quite on purpose because by Monday it's old news. No one cares. We can we can check in with the pay per views. Maybe maybe we'll do that every now and then. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Oh, I found the, the match by the way. So you're more are you more excited by WrestleMania or House of Glory, which is Jamaica, as you said, uh, Joe, uh, with uh, uh, gr- Great Musa, Tajiri, and Pentagon Jr. versus Loki and LAX. Give me that over oh, any, well. any match. Yeah, that, that's a match, isn't it? Yeah, on paper, that's a, that's a proper match, indeed. Yeah. What Unfortunately, LAX you got Musa there. Homicide and Hernandez. No, no, it's the prop, the new LAX. Ah, okay. For some reason, I thought Homicide was in the match. Okay. No, I wonder if he's on the card elsewhere, but no, it's uh, Santana and uh, what's Ortiz. Ortiz, that's it. It's kind of a bit silent. That's what WWE does to you, though. Sort of, you end up talking about that card, and it feels, it feels tiring. Even, yeah, it preparing, does. even though we're not doing it till next week, it's tiring <laughs> yeah. even talking about it. And you yeah. look, and, you know, I'm looking through this card, Just, and it's. It's just, so uninspiring. But Shane and the Miz will be good. That that will be good spirits. The package. That's right up your street. Good. That is the one now because of you two. <laughs> just the whole drilling Shane McMahon into me over over the last couple of months. Do you spot... accept that he's the best in the world, yet, JP? I accept that he's the best bad wrestler in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say that. That's fair. I, I'll take that too. Yeah. I'll I'll go with that. The great thing about that match is you've got the man who is maybe the most unsafe worker in the world and does nothing that looks safe against the man who doesn't want to do anything that's even yeah. slightly unsafe or put himself yeah. at risk. It's just yeah. the best match you could possibly book for WrestleMania. <laughs> that's it. And Miz is the baby face. Like that's just like <laughs> incredible. He's such a bad baby face as well. Like he's just so not believable or genuine in any way no. as a face, but his dad will be there and that will brighten my day up, especially if he puts more fake tan on like he did at the last pay-per-view, which was hilarious. Oh, there you go. Uh, speaking of uh, podcast favourites, have you seen um, Big Tone has been in the news? Uh, Tony Khan of AEW getting into it with Fulham fans on Twitter. I know you're on oh, Twitter yes. anymore, Joe, but so, some Fulham fans, uh, it's the most obviously cropped created picture in the world, it's like an England flag, and the four corners say Tony Khan wanks dogs. And he saw this and lost his shit on Twitter about how disgusted it was, and they better not bring that to a show or something like that. Makes you feel confident, doesn't it, that he's going to be uh, good at dealing with angry wrestling fans when they're not happy with the AEW booking? Jesus. Well, perhaps he can get JP in as like his enforcer or something. You know, they've they've sorted it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use my London charm. Yeah, put your flat cap on, uh, show your geezer side. You, you would have, you know, you've left me out the social occasion, you hung out, but whatever. <laughs> um, I, I like to think that he knows wrestling a bit more than he knows 
British football fans, put it yeah. that way, and maybe, maybe knows yeah. that you know he spent time of the ECW arena. That was full of our souls. So you know, but he's been exposed to the worst of wrestling fans. So <laughs> maybe might get that a little bit more. I don't think he grew up going to I don't know Stamford Bridge in the eighties, did he? So he's probably not got as much experience of kind yeah. of the culture or history of football fans let's say hmm. i mean he's gonna he's gonna have to do some pretty disastrous things to get a sign up at an aew show in the future isn't he <laughs> he's, he's, big tone wank stugs he just gets russo in doesn't pull off a mask on the first episode hitting people <laughs> with baseball bats you know just a stuff like that just to piss people off anyway what's wrong with wanking off dogs someone's got to do it occasionally you know <laughs> oh sorry gareth this, this is, that's a that's a fine line for our first podcast on grapple let's drag him through the mud it's only been 10 minutes yeah exactly <laughs> we've tried um <laughs> have you have you noticed like there's been it feels to me like there's been a little bit of negativity creeping in with with AEW. i think maybe it's impatience for wrestling fans were impatient but like will cooling good a good friend of ours was on twitter talking about he was looking at the the youtube figures for for being the elite and that they've kind of dropped down over the last few months which it's no surprise really because they haven't really had anything to put on the show because they're not doing anything other than these these odd run-ins. But yeah, he was saying like a couple of the recent videos have been doing less than a hundred thousand. Um, but it doesn't really reach two hundred thousand anymore. Uh, even the live streams that they did were, were I think they did like five hundred thousand. Does it give you any concern that, or you're still confident that uh, that the buzz will be there? I think when when it comes round to them actually running their show, when we finally get to you know get to uh, all in too and we we get to double or nothing i think that's going to be when you know maybe the buzz picks up again yeah i think it'll be fine um you think about anything um when it comes to television when it comes to wrestling generally and there's going to be peaks and troughs look at the amount of people watching at football uh or watching let's say champions league look at the amount of people watching group games compared mm. to the later rounds look at um the viewing figures for world cups compared to regular football league seasons you know uh, mm. you look at raw at various times of the year it usually peaks during wrestlemania season there are patterns that uh, you know are clear when it comes to that sort of stuff i think with being the elite they've pushed well-built storylines over the past couple of years you think about when they were doing the stuff with omega falling out of the bucks the omega cody stuff there's a narrative every week like a like a good soap opera let's just say mm. um as we guess we're going because there's you know a point of intrigue there's something to be excited about you know um as a avid eastenders fan over the years i can remember down periods where i wouldn't watch at all because you'd have mm. terrible storylines where i don't know phil mitchell might not be on screen for a whole year or something you'd have to suffer um den watts coming back to life having a feud of his shite stepson and all the rest of it and you know i wasn't watching much during that period but as soon as phil mm. was back on the scene i was back <laughs> into eastenders and i'm sure a lot of other people were as well so once i don't know omega and jericho start building their match once there are some actual narrative to follow rather than the build mm. to this show i'm sure that people will be back i'm sure they will yeah i mean does, does it continue at all like the other point that will was making is like you know the subscribers they've got on the youtube channel we talk it up like it's you know the, and they do it it's unbelievable what they've built but we're still only talking you know three hundred thousand. we're talking in the hundreds of thousands his point was kind of etc's 
you know, there's all this, you know, Meltzer putting out stories probably on behalf of uh, the, the, the the elite law uh, about how, you know, there's TV networks interested and stuff. But he was kind of making the point their business model really is about making more money out of a smaller fan base. That's kind of the wrestling these days. And his point was you could maybe get more out of those hardcore fans by being on a streaming service rather than being on TV and being expected to hit millions, which they could potentially struggle with depending on yeah what the product looks like and what the actual real casual interest is. I don't know what you think on that, JP. Well, it, it kind of depends on the business model that they're going for is something that, that ultimately they feel even in a kind of cord cutting area. And I, I agree with the idea of streaming service and television has become a kind of very niche product and most channels have become quite niche. There still is the overall power of television. And yeah. I think if nothing else, one thing they will be able to kind of sell to advertisers that a wrestling fan base is a fan base that's willing to spend certainly on wrestling. So, because they've always been, one of the issues historically has always been sort of discrimination of wrestling fans as not being a fan base worth catering to. It doesn't get the kind of marquee advertisers that you'd expect on there. And they might be able to change it. Um, mm. I think what they're planning seems to be a lot bigger than perhaps being on a streaming service like, say, a DAZone would really be able to offer them. Um, mm. And if they're going to be able to get rights fees off the likes of a, T of a TNT or a TBS... That for them is going to be obviously much safer ground to go into. Um, mm. And, you know, following on from what you were saying in terms of this being the kind of lull, there's there's a lot of things that they're going to be needing to do anyway, just in terms mm. of the administration and trying to build up AEW as a company, as a brand. Think about storylines and where people fit in and when they get them. I'd sooner they spent this time up till May doing this and then putting the odd spot appearance like they did at triple a or they would do in you know a, a joey ryan promoted indie show i'm kind of fine with them doing that and yeah there seems to be a bit of a cooling off hopefully it will heat up mm. with um double or nothing and then and here's the big one if they could manage to get some sort of tie-in with new japan because i think that's that's something that you know we talk about what new japan can kind of would have would have lost when the elite left this is a case i think where AEW does kind of need New Japan as well, or certainly those hmm. wrestlers do. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think that that would kind of maybe help in soothing some of the buzz. But like to, to your point, like as well, what you were saying earlier about you know selling themselves to a TV network, and obviously the money that comes with that is great. Mm. Something we've spoken about like off air before, where I, I my my thought on on AEW is I don't I don't really want another weekly TV wrestling show. Mm. Like we've already got, you know, the Impact's great. I don't watch it every week. MLW is great. I don't watch it every week. Like NXT UK is terrible, but I watch it every week because of my other podcast, NXT Proper. I don't watch that every week. Like I almost think the, the I'd rather them have like a, a a model similar to UFC where you know I know UFC you get criticised for running too many shows if anything, but if you had like a you know, the really all if all elite was built around big TV specials, you know, once maybe twice a month, but I, I probably if it was me, I'd have it once a month. And the actual TV show is, you know, maybe similar to being the elite if you can keep it interesting. Mm. And it's more about promoting the matches on the on the big show coming up, uh, and the, and they don't go down that road that we've seen 
you know, <coughs> every promotion under the sun try for the last, you know, 21 years because that's how WWE do business. But again, you know, to your point, if the if the TV money is there, I suppose they're going to be forced down that road. But for me, I, I don't think that from a quality of product and from standing out and being different point of view, I don't think it's what I'd do. No, I think you're, you're right. I completely agree with you. I like the thought of maybe them doing, like you say, um, not maybe UFC now in terms of the sheer amount of UFC shows there are yeah, that are broadcasters far too much, if you ask me. Mm. But UFC sort of at the beginning of the Fox deal, maybe, or before that even, mm. um, maybe doing sort of a pay-per-view every month, if anything. But well, I don't say a pay-per-view, but a TV special every month. And then maybe being the elite, being sort of half an hour and ultimate acting fight, as... The ultimate fighter of yeah, well, yeah, not even mm. maybe the ultimate fighter more like the um, you know the hype shows that you'd get before mm. a big fight so like i don't know let's say before yeah like before say i don't know um Oh, what was, I'm trying to think of Rousey's first match. Rousey, Liz Carmouche. Liz Carmouche. That was a you know mm. a great countdown special. Um, but then you get those each month for the pay per view shows anyway. So you almost use being the elite as that sort of show. Obviously not the same format, but use it as almost like a hype show for the next show that comes up that month with kind of these ongoing storylines and this way of actually pushing these storylines that are coming up next month. And it also means you can probably rotate the talent a little bit more. So maybe, yeah. you know, the young bucks aren't on every month. They'll be on every two months. Mm. Maybe um, Omega's on every two months. You know, and it'd be obviously if they're running house shows at the same time, they're still getting regular bookings. So they're still, they're still wrestling regularly. Do you think AEW will run house shows? I don't know. No idea. Um, it just seems that with WWE, I don't know whether or not... They it, don't make a profit anymore, do they? Like, yeah, they do yeah, them Because true. they've always done them. That's like, you, you just wonder if the this guys... Is the, are this is the trap you don't want people to fall into, is it? You know, you don't want to fall into that trap of, we do it because WWE do it. We do it because that's how you let you run a wrestling company. Hopefully they're thinking different than that. Yeah, you wonder if the guys would want to wrestle. More, like, there's obviously mm. wrestling a limited schedule, but say if you were interchange of a talent every month and the bucks are wrestling six matches a year omega's wrestling six matches a year it almost feels like a slight waste of them in a way if they're only wrestling that that few times a year and you sort of think okay if it comes to that should they be making deals with the companies should they be going back to new japan and wrestling matches in between their AEW appearances should omega be doing a g1 and therefore be given a couple of months off from doing AEW shows it's a tough one to work out um, yeah, I'm not up for another weekly show. No way. <laughs> Especially yeah, if JR's calling it. Have you seen that news story? Yeah, I, I just think his time's kind of... As much as I, JR's my favourite announcer ever, but uh, his work on New Japan has not been good, has it? Oh, I don't think he's been good for like a good 15 years. I just think people... Mm. people that I was, I, was, I was having this out on Twitter. Like, I think people get clouded by how bad everyone else is and how good he was. But like I can, like even in the early two thousands, you know, after the after the invasion, you know, he was he, he could never get Jeff and Matt Hardy right. He was calling moves wrong. Maybe he was just disinterested. But really, ever since that point, I've never been high on Jim Ross. I just, and especially now, like I say, when he imagine him calling all all elite, like you can tell when he covered, when he does it for New Japan, like it's through gritted teeth when he's calling a Young Bucks match. He hates that style. 
I don't think Kenny Omega, you know, some of his more, you know, comedy leadings are for Jim Ross either. If he can't hide it, then I just, I get the, it's like the uh, the access thing, isn't it? They got Jim Ross in because he's a big name and it will make casual fans pay attention and think, oh, that's Jim Ross. This must be a major league wrestling promotion. But yeah, that news kind of, again, to talk about, maybe we feel a little bit, little bit negative at all. At least. All, all, all in all, I'm still, you know, positive on what they can bring, but yeah, that news certainly didn't fill me with excitement for a, a potential TV series. I think with JR, you got to consider it like this as well. He may not have been great for 15 years, but 10 years ago, was he a better commentator than Michael Cole and everyone else true. who play by play in WWE? Yeah, he yeah, may not true. have been final cylinders and be his absolute peak, but he was still better than everyone else in that company. Mm. And he wasn't yeah. doing this kind of carbon copy robotic replace with a different face who looks exactly the same and sounds exactly the same as the last guy style of commentary. So it mm. still stood out more, even though it wasn't at its peak, let's say. Mm. It, it also worries me that if he's coming in to do play-by-play, because I actually think he would have something to offer in a much more behind-the-scenes context in terms of talent recruitment and various other things that he would have done, his backstage role when he was in WWE. Mm. Uh, However, something that's always been said is you don't want to sort of... You want to sound different. You want to sound unique. I thought they almost had the commentators sorted out with sort of Excalibur and Alex Marvez. It seemed like they were going to do it, and they've not been on a on a national stage and I mean with the new Japan Cup I've really enjoyed Excalibur's commentary as well so I thought that oh, was great yeah it really good really good addition in terms of the way he's able to call moves um mm. just fantastic like there was a point in time where he was just calling moves during the new Japan Cup and you think that's a very different style of commentating on a match and that's something you want to see if you're trying to do something different Jim Ross it's like it's still has that mentality of big in the attitude era. And that's something that, that the industry as a whole needs to desperately move away from. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the trap that everyone falls into. And I think people just forget it's 20 years ago. Like yeah. I, I'm, we're going to a little bit later in the show, when we get into what we're watching, we're going to be talking about ROH and we're talking their 17th anniversary show. ROH has been around for 17 years. Like think of like, there's no other point in wrestling history where time feels like, I don't know, like 20 years ago is the Attitude Era. But like if you went 20 years back in 1998, you'd be referencing things from 1978 and you'd be bringing in wrestlers from then. Like it just wouldn't happen, would it? And it's just something, something kind of has changed, hasn't it? Maybe it's the fact that WWE's been so stagnant for the last 20 years that, you know, wrestling in general has kind of followed their timeline. But yeah, it's always, always a mistake for me. I think it's, yeah, it's uh, hopefully all elite have got uh, some bright and new ideas than that. God, I only hope so. Yeah, definitely. The other thing I wanted to bring up as well. I mean, we're gonna talk in some form about uh, like progress as a promotion we we often covered in the previous mm-hmm. version of the show. And we're gonna continue doing on. We're gonna talk about their shows in some form next week. The Birmingham and was it Brighton? The other one, Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth, sorry, yeah, the two shows that happened while we were in, in Germany for the XW16 Carrot. Uh, JP, you're more up for that than uh, the, the rest of us, but... Uh, and I'm not really, not even goes. that much up for it. <laughs> but, like, they've got, I mean, super strong styles coming up. Uh, and Mark Buckle, dear friend of the show, uh, Monkey Buckles, at Monkey Buckles on Twitter, kind of r- put some stats together of, like, the lay of the land for, for super strong style. Joe, I'm not sure how aware you are of the the people who've been announced for it these last few weeks. Um, uh, I saw some Canadian guy who I'd never heard of was announced. Yeah, it's a weird field. It's a really weird field. Like, mm-hmm. 
Mark was saying, like, of, you know, this year, at least of the ones that have been announced, there's only six to nine regular people and five debuts. Whereas you go back, you know, through the years, there'd at least be 10 every single time as far as regular. But roster members go 13 in 2017. Um, the other thing he was saying that there's, it's kind of a, a very, very international field as well. Like the biggest, biggest note that he made was remember when progress was all about, you know, we're about British wrestling and mm-hmm. you know the, the imports. Of uh, British wrestling, yeah, 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 and the imports. Uh, you know, we use them sometimes, but we try not to be an import promotion. But if you look at the stats mm-hmm. and how that's changed, and it's probably a sign of the change in time. I don't think it's necessarily a huge negative. But 2015, they had 12 Brits uh, of the full 16. 2016 and 17, 10 and 11, 2018, 9. This year, of the 12 people announced, can you guess how many Brits there are, Joe? Uh, Ridgeway, I saw, was in there, I think. Mm. Um, two. Three. Okay. Like that's, <laughs> that turned a, I mean, is that a negative, though? Because it's... Yeah. I mean, some of the names that bring it in, it does look a little bit more interesting than kind of usual uh but maybe it says something to to the rebuilding phase that progress are kind of in or is it just is it laziness is it just we'll bring in a load of outside names and we'll make it work it definitely just feel it just feels very different i think is the overall point to to what the usual uh, standard will be for progress is that maybe because the standard of the british guys who are available to them aren't guys that they're necessarily interested in because they might be closely affiliated or aligned to promotions that maybe they don't want to work with that closely. And also maybe because a lot of the guys that they could bring in are guys who are signed to NXT UK contracts. And then there are all sorts of weird issues when it comes to the booking of those guys possibly as well. I don't know. Well, I mean, Mark was saying that, like even of the... They got three NXT UK guys, and none of them are English. Like even there, they're not even helping their own numbers there. Uh, Who's I do mean, think that speaks to it, though. Well, we, the lineup they got so far: we have got Chris Brooks, Jordan Devlin, Chris Ridgeway, DJ Z, Artemis Spencer, who I think is the uh, the Canadian you mentioned before, Trevor Lee, who signed himself with the B contract and immediately found himself in progress. A company were never interested in booking him before. Uh, DJZ's in that same uh, boat, isn't he? Ilya Dragunov, Travis Banks, Aerostar has been announced as well. It's just a weird... Uh, Daga got announced this week too. Weird, weird lineup. Uh, Paul Robinson's in there though, so at least there's that. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, and okay. it's likely to be David Starr and Lucky Kid being possibly the last of their own qualifying matches. Two more oh. non-Brits. Who's Lucky Kid facing a qualifying match? Uh, Tristan Archer. Okay, and who's David Starr facing? Connor Mills. Oh well, yeah. So you were, you that's a shoo-in. Yeah. Oh, well, it'll be criminal if Progress don't use this as a way to like get behind David Starr. You know, a year behind everyone else. But like, imagine having you know how good David Starr is. We're going to talk about OTT later, yeah. and how good he's as a babyface, how good he's as a heel, and his entire Progress run has been, I think, two singles matches altogether, and the entire rest has just been in team with Jack Sack Smith. Like, come on. When was the last time better. Progress made their own star, though? Mm-hmm. Really. When was it? Yeah. Not really. I mean, <laughs> can you count Travis Banks? I mean, he was already... Uh, yeah, York. I'd say they... I'd say yeah. uh, Fight Club Pro, but then Fight Club Pro played to a much smaller audience smaller when audience, he was made there. It? it was 200 at the fiction at that point mm. in time. Um, mm. So they kind of used his underground buzz, I suppose, and he caught onto a bigger audience. So yeah, it was probably Banks. 
and think what they did with his star. But like, think yeah. how often when we started this podcast, we would talk about Travis Banks because he was the upcoming star. Yeah. And then for the first year of a year of the podcast, I'd say a year and a bit, we talk about him all the times he was around. He was having great matches, or his booking was I don't know questionable. And now we never talk about the guy, which is a shame. Do you know, what I was thinking about that exact yeah. point today because he's a great wrestler, yeah. Yeah. but progress of kind of killed him without realizing that they've killed him if anything well it's mm. it's what the restrictions going to be i mean we mentioned about the the nxt uk restrictions and that's an ongoing theme in this podcast but i don't know if you've both heard eddie dennis got injured at pro wrestling chaos yeah. so it's his other shoulder isn't it it's his other shoulder and mm. that makes me think obviously that was one of the issues they had with them working independent with working independent dates I can see that restriction becoming even tighter now than it already was mm. on the back of something like that, how knowing long, how they react to situations. How long is he out for? Uh, I think he's going for a scan tomorrow. Okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, don't don't know at the moment, but it's his, it's his shoulder. I don't think he didn't sound necessarily too optimistic on the video he put up mm. on Facebook. But that's the kind of thing that's going to make them look at, you mm. know, more more restrictions and it's one of the things unless i'm watching nxt uk that's the only way i'm really getting to see travis banks presented in the way that i even kind of vaguely want him to be which is this killer face who has these great matches i don't want to watch nxt uk i don't want to watch nxt i don't know don't know ben i manages to watch it every week (laughs) with much struggle yeah it's yeah i mean the, the nxt uk is just you know, it's everything taking all the hot British wrestlers and putting them in a product that like is so unappealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if it, to your point, JP, that if there's if there's guy, if that is the place that you get to see guys like Eddie Dennis, then that, that's going to be a bit of a, a sad state of affairs. Well, it is, isn't it? And you can see the impact on this tournament. I mean, it would have been worthwhile them putting in. I mean, I've I've often made jokes about it, but a Chuck Mambo in there because he had a really great match yeah, there. No- Last year with Zack Sabre Jr. Not one member of DNR's in there. No. Where's the oh, progression yeah, the with Mambo a year on? Where's the progression yeah. with British wrestlers? Yeah, this is yeah. Re- really quite, kind of quite stagnant booking, isn't it, on progress as well? Well, I'm not going to Super Strong Style. I was going to ask that, yeah, if either of you were going. No, I've, I've no interest. I'm going to the Rev Pro Show on the Sunday of mm. Super Strong Style. And, you know, if they move the Rev Pro Show to an earlier time slot... I was considering going to day two. Um, I think that's the day we're doing Trent Walter. Uh, that's the only way I'd consider it. If they don't move it, if they don't move, if Rev Pro don't move their show earlier, um, but I'm just going to the Rev Pro show, I might head up to Wood Green to see some people mm-hmm. only the day maybe who I know are going to the Super Strong Style show. But mm-hmm. ah, the field looks weak and progress are at the point now where nothing they do interests me anymore, really. How many tickets do you think they're going to sell for that weekend? Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's Alexander mm-hmm. Palace again. It's a yeah, shit venue as well. It's not the best venue to watch wrestling in. Yeah. I think that's hearing you guys talk about it, like, yeah, it doesn't like. I can't imagine myself making the trip down to London to go there. Yeah, uh, and we wouldn't get press anyway, so you know. <laughs> well, we're not allowed in, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glenn, it's if you're listening, we'll give you some good <laughs> coverage, mate. <laughs> and he probably is big fan of the podcast. Uh, if you ever want a pint, Glenn, and fancy an interview over a pint, I'm here. <laughs> we can talk about the Raja forums back in the day as well. I'm always up for a bit of nostalgia Raja catch-up. 
<laughs> we're trying to turn over a new leaf here. We're on grapple now. We're trying to be polite. He asked for some music selections on Twitter the other day, and I gave him some suggestions of uh, of things he might enjoy. You know, good mate of ours, Glenn. This, this is how it begins, isn't it? Well, we get progress all the time. I That's think how we get co like a top bloke. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, on the progress point, though, like Ian Hamilton kind of made the point to me. It kind of wraps it up, but like he was, he was saying like the the, the difference between progress now is it's like you know when kids they like they, they get a, they get a pet, but then they lose interest in them because they get like a, a shiny a new toy, but they've got to keep the pet alive to to not get punished by the parents. That's progress in 2019. They got the shiny new NXT UK mm. toy, and progress is just like. Almost like we've got to keep it going. We've, got, you know, we've got to keep feeding that goldfish, uh, but it's just not the priority anymore. And you kind of, yeah, it, it suffers for that. And you can, you can rely on the wrestlers to come out and kill it. I, you know, I said we did a year end podcast, and I was for me, I think Progress has had better matches than you know Rev Pros, the, the match promotion to me. And I think Progress blew them out. Well, not blew them out the water, but had much more high level matches than me last year. You can rely on the work rate to a point, but. It's all the other stuff that, that feels like it's slipping this this last year or so. It feels like, and this is something that we spoke about when the NXT UK jobs came up, that this there needs to be a really clear delineation between NXT UK and, and progress. And I think one of the things that actually has to happen, they've got a chance, actually, because obviously they've got to have chapter 100. I mm. think, for me, um, that it would be that would be the place where you completely change it. You change the aesthetic of the company. You even change the bookers. I would go as far as not to have JJG on the cards at all and go with something completely different. You know, say obviously they can own it, but just to completely reinvent it. Do you become WCW like 1999 now? Because <laughs> I was about I remember, to say the exact same. Like I love wow. the old Nitro set and I knew that WCW was going down the pan. But then as soon as they changed that set, it was like, yeah, this is a different product. And it became really obvious that it was a completely different product and it wasn't good. I think you always want to keep those those comforts. You want to keep Jim coming out and doing his, you know, repetitive 20-minute stand-up. You want to keep. Do you? Um, well, if you progress, you do. Because the, the, like, the hardcore fans love that stuff, don't they? Um, I don't know if you, you go that far. I don't know if a rebranding... I don't know if it necessarily is a good idea, but I'm at I a loss of what else you could do. A, and for lack of a better term, a progression of some sort Wait. would have been good uh, maybe 18 months ago, mm. Um, mm. where they just changed up little things gradually, like Jim changed the shtick a little bit maybe, um, or they changed some of the, the punk rock pro wrestling stuff when possibly yeah like a little bit of progression i don't know about the logo but just little things possibly but i mean they've stuck with it so long now that it's become harder to do that i think mm. gradual progress god i hate i hate that i keep using progress and progression would have made sense rather than just an overnight bang we've changed the logo we've changed the identity i think that you'd have a few effort you'd have 14 chapters to even get to that point though uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. I suppose so. But I think you'd have to do every little bit gradually rather yeah. than just doing it. Mm. I would agree with that. I'm not like saying. Don't go full WCW. No, let's WCW not have I don't know, Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff out in the middle of the ring together. <laughs> you know. Or Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff in a four sided ring and getting rid of the six sided ring out of nowhere. I remember being shocked at that. Bet you were as well, weren't you? I was, yeah. I, was, I love that six sided ring that everyone seems to get injured in. 
brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, I think yeah, with progress, I mean, they do they do need a freshen up. So yeah, maybe a a more gradual route might go for it. Because I still, I mean, again, I'll always say I still enjoy that. They're still my favorite live show to go to. That uh, they're doing a show in Manchester in July. I'm still going to it. Uh, maybe it speaks to kind of the state of the rest of rest right now, but I can't think of a, a promotion who shows that kind of even with all these booking issues and you know the lack of attention that I think a, a delivering better start to finish shows. I think that maybe says that you know Rev Pro have been on a bit of a downslide, and if it wasn't for WXW and OTT kind of propping the European scene up, uh, maybe there's a bigger conversation there about maybe a bit of a dip in quality across the British scene um but yeah it's just a it's a really weird place that we uh we find ourselves with progress in 2019 yeah i think on the mainland here there's not as much to be excited about at the moment i don't think there's as much Numb. buzz on stuff i think companies are kind of in flux due to other relationships um that are kind of associated with companies um i think various companies haven't and maybe grown in the way you thought they might they've kind of reached kind of i don't know sort of where they're going to be able to get to if anything as well and yeah it's it's a tough one it is a tough one hey if you ask andy ogden though uh, graps and claps audio.podbean.com he'll tell you it's still strong on the undergrap scene maybe that's where we need to go we need to get ourselves to a title show or a breed show or something like that and maybe we'll uh, be more positive on the current brit res landscape I was going to say, on that much smaller level, there's some companies coming out with some interesting stuff. And I know me and Joe were talking about it the other day, about Riptide uh, promotion that we've, we've not been to since we went to the Riptide Rumble, which was mm. tremendous. No matter how much light to go down there, because it was just, it's quality. It's um, also a place that if you're watching on the VOD, that just uh, it's the best looking promotion when you look at the hall that they're in and how they make it look it's pretty incredible and they also managed to get sean ryan a crooked gentleman fame in to sort of help out with some of the production stuff as well so that's a that's a company that has always looked interesting to me where do attack go do they grow at various i, I think points? attack appeal to a very specific yeah. niche as well they don't they can they can they get yeah. any bigger would they try and do that is I, it something that's always going to be a very small niche product yeah i think it is and they've got that loyal band of fans mm. that kind of follow them around everywhere as if well it works and follow for them, them really then. intensely yeah mm. it works for them um, i just think I don't know, a company like a Fight Club Pro, I think they've mm. kind of reached their ceiling, if anything. I can't mm. see them getting any bigger. But also, I don't feel like any of the stuff that happens in Fight Club Pro ever gets any buzz outside of the 600 people who might go to their shows, if anything. I never see people watching their VODs. I never hear about people talking about how great Fight Club, this match in Fight Club Pro was. I never hear any of their matches catch any buzz. When I speak to people I know in America who want to know something about British independent wrestling, they never ask me about Fight Club Pro. And these are people that kind of know what they're talking about and follow stuff. Um, it's a quite high level, if anything. So I just think they're, a, I don't know, there just feels like... A lot of these companies like i said have kind of met their ceiling at this point in time yeah. and while there's still some really enjoyable stuff to watch and to go see live i just feel like there's not the buzz that there maybe was a year two years three years ago i'll tell you what I, maybe i'd feel more positive today if instead of watching the new japan cup this morning there was an american wrestling show at the gym behind my house three minutes <laughs> walk away epw had uh who ran that show in bootle leisure center last year with sabu and tiny they were back in the area, but there was no Sabu or Tiny Iron, so unfortunately, I chose the New Japan Cup instead. But they did have Tokyo Joe on the show still. 
uh, at a few of the other uh, the jobbers from last time. Maybe if I'd have gone to that, to the family family spectacular, you should see this poster. It's something else. Uh, maybe I'd be feeling a little bit more positive. Maybe I need to get some more of those types of shows. They had a TLC match, allegedly. I don't know how you do that in, uh, in Crosby Gym. But, hey, family show, TLC match. It's like when they had booking Sabu. On a family yeah. show, in and of launching chairs around with a with, with a with an audience of nothing but kids. Jesus Christ! And no tiny iron. I think that's probably the deal breaker, isn't it? <laughs> that's what lost me. Um, but yeah, good segue, I suppose, because we we were about to talk uh, what we're watching, and yeah, instead of instead of that, this morning I watched the New Japan Cup final. Um, I don't know how much of uh, the New Japan Cup of uh, have you guys been watching these last couple of weeks? Because to be honest, I've kind of. Sandwich. Maybe it was the WXW hangover, but I've kind of sandwiched everything into these last last couple of days and and caught up on it. But I don't know. New Japan Cup most years feels quite missable. It's like this period and the the tag league period at the end of the year where I tend to check out with New Japan. But I am glad that I, that I caught up over these last couple of days. Yeah, I've watched. I took a break from watching a lot of wrestling um, after, WXW. after WXW, and I feel like I've only just recovered from WXW this weekend. To be honest, <laughs> I was ill all last week. Still went to work, but just felt like shit. Um, and had a good rest this weekend and watched a lot of the New Japan Cup. I basically watched everything I possibly could from it in the last two, three days. If anything, started to catch up Friday night watched a fuck ton yesterday and continued that today and watched the final today as well so you know what it's been really good fun um i feel like i'm back on the horse and it felt like g1 yeah maybe if you, if you want to you know inject me over there you got some horse i haven't got any horse got though. a belt on wrap it round. um what am i talking about Anyway, yeah, I feel like it was early G1 season, if anything. There was some seriously great stuff in this, I thought. And it was of a higher quality and a higher caliber than usual, I thought. New Japan Cup, usually I'll dip in, watch a bit here and there. But this was absolutely class, I thought. Really impressed with the sheer level of work rate throughout the Cup this year as well. And after a couple of months where I felt like I'd soured on New Japan slightly after Mm. the Tokyo Dome... And what with Jay White being the IWGP <laughs> heavyweight champion? <laughs> hey, I caught, I caught up on his Will Ospreay match. I enjoyed that. You know, it still didn't convince me of him being a, a top guy. Um, oh, I love, if anything, it... I love that Osprey match. But would you say that was the best match you've ever seen Jay White have? Yes. And you know what I'd also say? It made me think, you know who should be in that Will Ospreay position? Jay White. Yeah, you know, you should be you should be the never champion, and about two, three years away from being a main eventer in New Japan, even trying to make him a main eventer in New Japan. Jay White. Yeah, and do you know what Jay White's second best match ever probably is? Tanahashi. Nah, Will Ospreay, that it's Ring of Honor pay per view. There we go. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how many career best matches Will Ospreay has got out of so many kind of me- not mediocre, but kind of. Solid mm. opponents, if anything. Yeah, I'm with you, Benno, on the anniversary show. I thought the Ishimori Liger match was great. Mm. Um, and I also thought Jay White Osprey was an incredible match. And if it was in the New Japan Cup, it would have been one of the better matches of the New Japan Cup. But one of the reasons I think the New Japan Cup was so enjoyable is that it wasn't dominated by Jay White shite and having <laughs> to watch mediocre Jay White performances. Instead, we got to watch top quality 
quality, top-class wrestlers do their thing and not have to put Jay White over in some way at every moment. It was mm. a refreshing break from the Jay White mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, for me, it was the the reason that is, is it was the Will Ospreay tournament oh. and to an extent the Kota Ibushi tournament as well. But Ospreay just like the list of matches he had from just on this one tournament just said to me he's the guy he's the guy who, who hopefully hopefully they still introduce him in the package as a junior hopefully you know we are going we'll properly go down that heavyweight route and yeah I, I don't know if i'd like to see him in the jay white spot but i'd definitely like to see him as heavily pushed i think so and i think that japanese crowd love him and i think mm. they would be right behind will osprey pushed as a as a as a top guy why not have what looks to be what a kind of big five that they've got at the moment? Why not have that as a big six? There's no real reason for it. And frankly, with the Copper Box show coming up, that seems like the perfect place to kind of showcase Osprey as a headliner on a important show for them. Yeah, he seems like he's very much on the fringes. What I found amazing, and I know this isn't the cut, but I'm going to go back to the Jay White Osprey match, is during that Jay White Osprey match, Everything Osprey does, the crowd are so hot for and so invested mm. in and kind of on the edge of their seats. Oh, During Jay White's mm. moments and periods of control, they are dead. He gets so little heat during the actual match, during his periods of offense. It's unbelievable. It stood out to me like a sore thumb and said mm. everything you need to know about the ability and how ready both guys are to be in a certain position. Like, I'll be honest, I'm glad they've not pushed Osprey to the moon because I think the mm. gradual push is going to suit him better long term and is going to be. Just like it with Jay White. Exactly. And is going to be truly beneficial for him. But mm. if you put Will Osprey in the Jay White position right now, I'd be having a lot more fun. No, <laughs> Will Osprey was going to be headlining Madison Square Garden rather than oh. Jay fucking White. <laughs> and you could put him in there with anyone as well because, like, I was going to go through, like, our highlight matches of this tournament, but I never believe, you know, even as late as Thursday, that one of my highlight matches of the tournament would be Will Ospreay and Lance Archer. Oh, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure JP thought it. You know, Lance Archer being a Hoytomania. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was all over that. He's taxing with Kid Cash. When he used to get, he used to go for a pint after the Impact shows, didn't he, with the front row fans? So they chant for him. Brilliant. Yeah, um, paid off in but, the long run. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That is great. <laughs> hey, that's good. That's working the marks, isn't it? That's that's 2019 wrestling. Chris Brooks made his entire business plan. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I sat in the front row of the Impact Zone once. I didn't have a pint with Lance Archer. I'm gutted. Oh, gutted. But yeah, I've never seen him have such an interesting match. Like, and that's just Will Ospreay, isn't it? The power of Will Ospreay. It was like one of the best big man, little man matches. I mean, obviously, we were saying that about Walter Phoenix on our last show on Indie Corner, but. Like, as far as Big Man Little Man matches, again, another one, Lance Archer and Osprey is well up there for me as the best. I'll some of the best I've ever seen. Think about what I just said about Will Osprey getting career best matches out of kind of average to middling opponents. And mm. yeah, Jay White, Lance Archer's another one. Was this the best match Lance Archer has ever been involved yes. in? It's the only one I can remember. Like, yeah. if you yeah. name another singles Lance Archer match, like, I'd have to be on the grapple app to find one. Like, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, like, I really couldn't tell you. I've always thought Lance Archer was solid for the position he was putting on the card mm. and fine the tag team. But fuck me, this was yeah. amazing. Some of the mm. like Osprey is is he the most innovative wrestler 
of the last five years. I can't think of anyone else that touches him in terms of being able to innovate different types of move, di- moves, different types of body movements, different types of reversals, different forms oh. of counter-wrestling as well. That, he that was... flip oh, out, of the, God, that... out of the pants. Oh. So good. So good. I was thinking to myself, we never got a Will Ospreay-Keith Lee match. Think oh. of Keith Lee's pounce and think of the upgrade in opponent and what Will Ospreay and Keith Lee could have done together if he mm. can do this with Lance Archer. It was absolutely crazy. This is one of the reasons I'm gutted New Japan doesn't do replays because I had to run <laughs> it back about five times to watch <laughs> it. And I had to call my girlfriend in from the kitchen who saw Will Ospreay came out, commented on Will Ospreay, Went to, I don't know, um, do some cooking. You know, me sat there watching wrestling, her cooking, traditional roles in my house and all that. <laughs> I joke. It's not like that at all. Um, <laughs> and she heard me flipping out and I had to call her in to watch it. I was so blown away by it. She didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, yeah, it was different. It's next level, isn't it? Yeah. Different level. Yeah, for, I mean, it had for me, you know, for a big man, little man match, maybe one or two too many kickouts, but minor complaint. I, I was still into it. Osprey winning clean with the Stormbreak as well. Impressive feat of strength. I might not yeah. love that if it was another big man, but it's only Lance Archer. He can take the loss. Who cares? What else are they going to do with him, JP? Oh, that's it. I mean, I think they seem to have plans for him and both Davey Boy Smith Jr. at some point this year. Or I don't know if they're oh, going to do anything. So any sort of breakup, he's his Brody Lance Archer's Brody esque routine seems to be over with the crowd and and whatnot. Um, mm. Although this is re- let's be honest, this is the high point of of the of Lance Archer. It's going to be hard to see who else is going to be able to get this kind of work out of him. I don't know, maybe Jay White. Let's get him in there. Oh, fuck that! <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, won't, I won't be watching it. That's all I'll say for that one. I will not be watching it. Um, Who cares about Davey Boy Smith as well and Lance Archer as a tag team, really, at this point? They've kind of been there forever. They're fine as a tag team. Split them up, do something different with them. Uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., I find, is one of the most confusing wrestlers ever. He's got all the potential to make it. He's got everything that makes him look like a superstar. But there's nothing about him that excites me or stands out. I did love the fact they booked him against Yano because I felt like it was a booking to him off because he hates <laughs> comedy and i remember him getting really arsy about omega and yano at one point and making all these oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. tweets and as soon as i saw they booked him in that match i thought they're ribbing him like yeah. they're just trying to have a go at him and i watched that match and he did not look happy but how many times and we've commented the last couple of shows we've done that um david boy smith jr in uncooperative shocker and it all looks very clunky it's just like he seems to be the common theme in all of these things isn't it he just seems like a <laughs> dick yeah I've heard things about him over here before that I probably shouldn't say, but yeah, he just seems like a, a dick, to be yeah. honest with you. Why does he not get booked more regularly in Ref Pro? Why does he not get re- booked more regularly over here? It would make sense considering he's the British Bulldog Junior, wouldn't <laughs> no, it? No, yeah. But he's not over here much for a reason. And who's interested on it as well? But yeah, yeah, Osprey, you know, we've got British Bulldog Junior. Screw him. Give Will Osprey a knighthood. Honestly, I'm not I'm not into that sort of stuff. But if you're going to give anyone a knighthood in the wrestling world, that bloke deserves one right now. I don't care what he says on Twitter because I'm not on there for good reason. All I do is watch what he does in a wrestling ring and the stuff he does is mind-blowing and makes me lose my proverbial shit as I'm doing now <laughs> talking about it. Give him a knighthood. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he had an incredible tournament. Like he, you know, crashes out against Okada, which is you know no, no problem. You know that's a, it was a good match for him to go out in. Another good match, maybe not great. I, I did think the the crowd being a bit quiet held that one back. But yeah, you know, was that a highlight for you? And what were some other highlights for you from the tournament match wise? Um, let's start off with Ishii Nagata, which mm. um really enjoyed. I think that was like on the first... that was a man fight. Yeah, it really was. It was. Mm-hmm. I remember hear, hearing it being said that it was, you know, it's very, very hard hitting, but relatively safe in terms of that kind mm-hmm. of style. Obviously, it'll hurt, but it's not going to have the kind of long lasting damage. It's not the perfect main event for Kurokan, and they love mm-hmm. Yuji Nagata as well. Um, I want to say about uh, Umino versus Tanahashi in the first round as well. Like, Umino is incredibly good, and there are things about him here that. You just know he's going to be a star. Like when he used Tanahashi's Cloverleaf, there was a point where he did like a really quick um, small package, which used to be a sort of staple of Tanahashi matches um, from a good few years ago. And he kind of hinted that it's like that's the mold that they're going to be going down. And to be honest, in the ring, he's awesome. If he is going to go on excursion, and I could see there being an argument, argument for him not going on excursion, just would love to see him in Rev Pro. Yeah, I'd love a year of him in Rev Pro. A year Pro, of him in yeah. Rev Pro would be would be fantastic. I, I, I mean, whether or not, it depends on, on what they would do with him gimmick-wise. He's very much set up for the future as well um, in terms of like his dad and the position there. That's a natural storyline in and of itself. And his dad refereed this match. Yeah, that was quite cool. Which was a really cool touch. And it being you know a thing that was mentioned, but not overplayed by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't... And Tanner, the amount he gives to a young lion to be able to do, like there was a point, yeah, with the small package and he nearly gets the three and the crowd kind of, you know that Tanahashi's winning. But... That's Zack Sabre Jr. and Tanahashi, who yeah. knows, had really good matches with in the last yeah. two months now. You know, the quality of opponent is different level, but he's kind of hung in there as well. I think, honestly, we've had to suffer the great Okan for a year. Well, I've not had to suffer him. I've enjoyed the great Okan, but many people Absolutely. have had to suffer the great Okan. <laughs> Give us Umino. Give us, uh, <laughs> give us, you know, as a reward, Umino for a year because we'll get some seriously good stuff out of him. I think if he gets over here, yeah, definitely. I was going to say as well in terms of uh, other matches. I think my favourite match, two favourite matches from the tournament overall. One match I've seen getting a lot of pelters, and I was quite surprised at how much shit it was getting, but. I absolutely loved Minoru Suzuki against Sonada. I thought it was amazing. Um, I've seen it getting a lot of shit for... Oh, it's, it's great. Like, it's mm. really, really good. I, I watched their match, I think it was last month or the month before, which was a really good match. Um, and this was even better. It was... The crowd were on absolute tenter hooks for this one as well. There was a sequence where they were swapping holds. So he was going from the skull end and Suzuki kept popping out of the skull end and kept finding parts of his body that he could stretch and kind of manoeuvring his way around his body. And Sonata kept getting the skull end back in. And it was this really long sequence, but the crowd were kind of on their edge of the seats for the whole sequence. Like the heat was amazing for it. And they were completely into Sonata getting a win. And Suzuki was kind of ripping Sonata to pieces Pieces, really punishing him at different times as well, working over different body parts. And it felt like Suzuki got the most fire out of Sonada that I've ever seen out of Sonada. I'm not a massive Sonada fan because no, I find no. his facial expressions, the way he's kind of emotionally invested in a match, isn't great. I feel like he doesn't put himself 
into the match enough. He doesn't put enough personality into his performance. This is the most personality I've ever seen him show in terms of selling and in terms of showing fire when he's on offense as well and finding ways to actually win a match. Um, the you, know, you know what I didn't like about it? You know what the kind of... Because I think I'm one of them people as well where... I didn't love it, but I think it's because I just hate the skull end so much. I'm just okay, hearing you yeah, describe yeah, it. It was it's it's built ar- the match was built around so much of that, as you've just said. And Minoru Suzuki is this shooter and he's selling for this move that looks like absolute shit. Like I know like I can't I, I, I maybe put two and two together on this. Maybe I'm just dumb, but you know the way it's a dragon sleeper, but instead of over the throat, it's over the skull, isn't it? Maybe that's yeah, why it's yeah. called the skull end. But it's so shit. And it just it always looks like he's losing control of it. Yeah, he's got no grip at all on it. And that, like Suzuki selling yeah. for it, I, I think it took me out of the match. I think that was, I think I agree with you. The structure of the match was good. It's a bit of a shame that this is kind of Suzuki's place now in New Japan, but I think that was mainly my, my problem with it was that maybe that's why I couldn't get past it. I don't know if you you feel the same on that on that, on that thing that he that he, he claims as a finisher. I think because the crowd was so into it and so mm. wanted to see him win, and they have been over most of the days, haven't they? Yeah, mm. and they went with the sequence as well, and mm. they kind of had them with that sequence, and they mm. kept plugging away with it. And I was kind of thinking there was going to be a payoff to the sequence. There wasn't a payoff to the sequence. He ended up hitting the, um, was it a moonsault he hit to actually win it? That's which right, yeah. kind of surprised me because I thought they were going to go with that sequence. But eh, it was fine. But I think the amount of heat they managed to generate and also the way that Suzuki managed to bring some emotion out of Sonada quite impressed me. And it sort of got across just how useful Minoru Suzuki is at 51 years old in this promotion still like I know what you're saying about Suzuki there Benno and this being his position but realistically he is a 51 year old man yeah we forget that don't we yeah and he can still go but he's a 51 year old man that works a completely different style of match to everyone else in the promotion but can also bring something out of guys when they need to bring that something and bring that extra bit of fire to a match as well and i think minoru suzuki is just a really useful wrestler in many ways you think of the role that he's played in various matches over a period of time last year when he gave tanahashi that leg injury which tanahashi sold for ages which gave tanahashi a different sort of narrative last year for a little bit um you think about when he eliminated a card essentially from G1 a couple of years ago with that half an hour draw where he mm. beat down a card for half an hour and it led into the uh, next match where a card ended up losing. I think it was to Omega, if I remember rightly. Uh, yeah, I think Minoru Suzuki has a function and he's got a use. And this, I thought, was the best of Minoru Suzuki in many ways. Mm. Like, I love this match. Um, I'd recommend giving it a watch. It might be quite divisive as a match, but for me, it ticked all the boxes uh, that I want to see in a good match. It was physical. It was hard hitting. There was some emotion involved. There was a big upset win of sorts in the end as well. It was great. Hmm. Where would you put it against like the other two big Sonata matches from the tournament? Because the ones people have mainly been talking about have been him and Tanahashi and him and Okada. Uh, you, did you enjoy it better than those two? Because I did think, to be honest, I thought I mean Okada being the final, they took that extra bit of time. For me, that was probably the match of the tournament. But uh, I don't know. Would you agree with that? Um, I think the Tanahashi match, I wasn't that into. I've never really enjoyed any of Sonata and Tanahashi's matches. I felt like there wasn't the same level of emotion from Sonata in that Tanahashi match at all. I thought it was back to Sonata and his kind of old tricks and his kind of 
kind of glamour, motionless facial expressions and all the rest of it. It was good. It was technically good, but I just didn't get into it on any level, really. Uh, I like the story they're telling with Tanahashi. I think that's good, and there's a good long-term narrative there, especially the stuff around his knees and him not going for the high-fly flow and him using different manoeuvres and Fujinami's old pinfall manoeuvre as well. I thought that was great. Um, I thought the Akada match, so Akada and Sonada, I always find their matches really quite interesting because they're never blow away for me and they're never like stunning matches but their matches are two halves i always find yeah akada and sonada mm. do stuff for 15 minutes and then they do great <laughs> stuff for 15 minutes and it's almost like a football match where you you go in nil nil at half time and the game just explodes in the second half and goes a bit mad and you remember yeah. it as a great match because the second half was great but the sum of all of its parts ultimately wasn't that amazing and I find that with every Sonata Ricardo match I thought the last 15 minutes of this were outstanding some of the mm. best stuff I saw in the tournament I mm. thought Sonata was much better in this as well than he was in the Tanahashi match I thought it brought the best of a Carter. Um, there was real intensity, real anticipation in that last sort of 15 minutes as well. Uh, but for me, I preferred the Minoru Suzuki Sonata match as far as a complete match goes. Yeah. I, I kind of had that same feeling on the final. I enjoyed it. And I, to me, I still think, I mean, this kind of goes to like my view. We were talking, when we were talking again, talking about WXW, and we were talking about you know the problem with the endless chanting and the absolute Andy Bobby Guns match. And one of my points is, no one ever remembers the first fifteen minutes of a match anyway. People only seem to remember the second half, and I'm probably as guilty as anyone because I'd agree with it about the first half, but I love the second half so much that it's still maybe tied with uh, Okada and Ishii as my favorite match of the tournament. But and it, and it's but it's mainly because of that, like you say, that hot finishing stretch. You know. A card flipping out of the skull end into a tombstone. The the kind of the two rainmakers as the partisan crowd scream for for Sonata to duck out. I don't know if you'd agree, JP. But for me, I think that stuff was enough for me to you know forgive maybe the first half of the match. You said Joe, it's very similar to to what Okada and Sonata always do. But I'd kind of say a lot of Okada's big matches can be like that, not just with Sonata, where it's it it, it can be a, a a match of two halves. They are, they're epics. So in some way, there's always going to be, for me, there's always going to be that kind of inevitable love lull. And um, I kind of agree that it really was a match of two halves. Loved the last 15 minutes and echo kind of a lot of the a lot of the thoughts about, I think I gave it four and a quarter on, on the grapple app. I did as well. Um, yeah. That was the kind of range. I thought, I thought it was it was very good. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it kind of fell into... This tournament again, and you know, I mentioned at the very start of it. It's not tended to be a tournament where we've expected a lot from it. So we got a lot more from it than we ever have done in any other year. And mm. as a result of this, um, what I thought was really great afterwards is that Akada had kind of won, even though the crowd was so partisan for Sonada because he was from Nagata Prefecture, which you know, they were kind of saying on the commentary is an hour away. Um, he had that crowd back when Jay White came out, um, and you're hoping that he's gonna he's gonna be able to pull it off at MSG. Otherwise, it's gonna be a lot of pissed off people. I, I can imagine. <laughs> in that case, I, I there'll be to. bottles thrown in the ring that night if that happens. Um, I, I was gonna say with with Sonada, I'm kind of a lot hotter on on him in terms of where they're going with him. I can see why they're gonna do it. And I suppose for me, partly partially, 
as with all of their kind of big pushes, you have faith in the history of what happened before. So I always think of Naito in terms of glum, emotionless faces when when wrestling, and then you see the Naito now, and it feels like was there a time I didn't like him, or and there was a time I didn't like his music, which seems like incredible. But it used to piss me off at first. But then <laughs> somehow I just like found myself loving it. Oh, JP, if that came on on a club, I'd be losing my mind. I'd be losing oh, my mind now, but around two, 2014, possibly not. That's the perfect club music. <laughs> I was five years ago, I was a different man. Would you be doing the JP jig in a club if that I came on? I would have on? been doing the JP jig in the club <laughs> if that came on now. Lose it brought... and start standing there with my fist up in, in, in the nightclub, people wondering what the hell's going That's... on. That that's a tune for next year's uh, uh, carrot after party. I definitely oh, want to see you doing the JP jig to that. Absolutely, yeah. should be putting it. Let's have a word with Shaggy. We'll sort that out for next. <laughs> you have a word with Shaggy. I'll have a word with Shaggy. <laughs> All right, Shaggy. <laughs> right, guys. Can say it isn't me? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Can I just go on to a point about? Sorry, Bello. Um, go you said about the Akada matches of two halves because mm. I think it depends on the opponent. I think if he's mm. against a more dynamic opponent, it often isn't the case. Like the Ishii match, I thought was oh, yeah. great from the get-go. Mm. Um, the Tanahashi matches, the Omega matches, I always think are great from the get-go. Um, mm. I know what you're saying. The Sonata matches are always a bit like that. The um, Naito matches, I always mm. find, fall oh. into that pattern as well. I am. I'm not a Naito man right now. Like I, I, That was the point I was about to make, by the way, Like on Naito. Like, as much as I love the music. <laughs> I was I was trying to think, you know, we're going back to Okada here. We're going to go back to, you know, uh, Old Reliable on top. Kind of wondering about, you know, what the other possibilities are. You know, who are they going to crown at Wrestle Kingdom at the end of the year? Feels like it's going to be Naito. It feels like we're going to go back to that. But mm. I don't know, maybe, you know, to your criticism there of his Okada matches, which is definitely what I was thinking about when I think about those matches of two halves. <sighs> Naito, I feel like I've seen him in every possible combination anyway. I don't want to see him on top anymore. He was someone who threw this tournament. People were raving about that Ibushi match, but it just didn't really do. It was. It, I, I could tell it was a good match happening in front of me, but I don't know. I, 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 I struggle to get motivated with, with Daito anymore. I just. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I, I'm just bored of the guy. Yeah, I think I put the uh, by Ibushi Naito match in the sort of. I, I thought it was like a very good match. I didn't, but I did, I wasn't as emotionally involved. It was just a couple of times. It was the. I think it was particularly was it the tiger driver on the ring ape, and I thought that was that was a disgusting move. <laughs> like, yeah, don't yeah. do that again. I, I don't they, really want to see that. They threw stuff in there yeah. that I thought was too much for the level of match this was. Yeah, if this was like a G one final or something, I'd kind of be like, all right, I sort of get the occasion. <laughs> this was yeah. what like one of the opening days of the New Japan Cup. Three, it felt yeah. like mm. it wasn't needed, and it felt like it didn't play that big a part in the match. If I'm if honest. As a match, I did. I thought it was great. I'm not going to lie, but at the same time, I can think of maybe two better matches that they've had as well. Yeah. But one of the points I was going to make as well about this tournament, as much as I've enjoyed the tournament and I've had a really good time the last couple of days watching this stuff, it's like high-end stuff that's kind of a reminder of how good New Japan can be when they're just booking good wrestler against good wrestler with logical stories, Helen, and logical long-term stories that go somewhere. But I sort of look back to the 90s in all Japan and think around sort of 96, 97, a few things did start getting a bit stale there, um, especially into sort of 98, 99. And I sort of wonder if New Japan might fall into the trap eventually of becoming a bit stale in terms of the matchups they're making, how many times these guys 
go up against one another over the years. So, like, how many times have we seen Naito and Ibushi face off now and these sort of tournament mm. matches, right? Mm. How many times have we seen Tanahashi and Zack now over the last couple of years? Are we going to get to the point where maybe they're not introducing enough fresh talent into the mix maybe they're not making enough new japanese guys and these matches do become maybe in two years if we're still getting this a little bit repetitive and a little bit stale i think there's certainly a danger of that happening i imagine and this is where i wonder where the two domes thing comes into it is there is a big opportunity across those two days to have a number of kind of different and unique matches which are going to be used to try and sell the same venue for two for two consecutive dates there's a lot of interesting stuff that I think they could do for it. However, if there's one thing about New Japan booking is it tends to be ultimately very conservative and it's things taking years. And that's always, you know, the, the kind of the gambles and the risks that they do tend to take are actually quite calculated for the most part. Jay White was someone who they were very familiar with. They had the Okada kind of playbook for how they were going to, how they thought that they were going to be able to put, to push them and have Ghetto alongside them as well. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's an interesting company. I mean, I think this this tournament, it did win me back somewhat from having, after the dome, really kind of not seeing any New Japan up until up until this point. Um, it was good being able to kind of dip in and watch the matches. Like, I didn't even see the undercards for any of the day, including today. Oh, no. There's just no need to. No. You just waste well, today your time was, if you're doing yeah, that. Complete waste of time. There's yeah. a lot of life to live. Yeah, there is. Don't waste your <laughs> exactly. life watching that stuff. And, and so as a result, what you end up watching is, like like Joe said, it's a series of very high-quality wrestling matches in there that they've got the dynamics and there's some there's some potentially interesting di- directions they can go in there's hints of the the next tier of people who are going to move up the card it depends how you feel about i mean for me zach is still is someone who feels hotter after after this of new japan Cup. ishii uh, again i think there's some he's all reliable you can go back to him at any yeah point, can't you? he is and again but you talk about sort of mvps in the tournament there was a match he had with taichi that was fucking great I don't know. You're thinking. I don't know if either of you saw this. Well, how... it headlined on one of the on, on a day that was in a venue that really wasn't didn't look like it sold that well at all. It was like half the venue felt closed off. Well, tai Chi was in the match. It was like fighting spirit spots and Tai Chi popping up from a pile driver. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? I've never seen this, but it again convinced me. If ever I ever forget that, nah, Ishii's fucking awesome. Well, Ishii's another one that I was saying about with Osprey. Mm. Look at look at career best matches that Ishii and Osprey have got out of so many kind of middling opponents, and it's a ridiculous list. Mm. You look at Ishii when it comes to Taichi, when it comes to um, Yujiro Takahashi, not Hiromu Takahashi. He's got great matches out of these guys. Makabe a few Makabe, he had Honma's best matches. I love Honma, but he had Honma's best matches, I think. A ridiculous Mm. list. He had the best match I've seen in Yoshi Hashi's career during this tournament as well. Yeah. Like, that was really good. Like, Ishii was on one. We said about MVPs during the tournament. I think, mm. yeah, maybe Ishii hasn't got enough for mention. The Nagata match, the Taichi match you just mm. mentioned, Yoshi mm. Hashi, and then for me, the best match of the tournament in the Okada match. And Ishii and Okada's a match I feel like we almost haven't seen enough of. Um, I think they mentioned that this was their, they say it was their fourth match. Like, I could only really recall one of their previous matches, which was the 2016 G1, G1 match yeah. that Ishii won, didn't G1, he? Yeah. yeah, I can't recall any of the other matches. But 
the match felt fresh. It felt like there was some a completely different dynamic to an Okada match. How mm. often do you see Okada face a guy like Ishii? You see him face a guy like Sonada and Naito all the time, someone who's very clean in terms of their offense, in terms of their style. But Ishii is just a completely different style to anyone we're used to seeing Okada go up against. So it just felt completely fresh, and the match from the get-go was just awesome. Um, my match of a tournament, if anything. It's the grapple match of the tournament as well, as far as ratings go. I think the average is 4.57 for that thing. Then the closest that comes to it's the final. I got 4.4, uh, but I can't really argue with either of those scores. I think I, I went 4.5 for, for Ishii and Okada, and yeah, I think that's the... It's the power of Ishii, isn't it? He can make you believe even when it just seems absolutely important. To be honest, looking at it on paper, there was no real way Ishii was beating Okada. But they make you believe every time, don't they? And it's something to be said for just the chemistry they've got. They seem to they knock around together a lot. Like if you follow either of them on Instagram, there's lots of uh, lots of big, uh, big nights out for the Chaos lads. And they, they do seem to be great mates. And it definitely, that chemistry definitely bleeds into the match as well. So maybe it's, uh, it should be no surprise, JP, that it's uh, the, the grapple users have it as their match in the tournament. Absolutely not. And I also think as well, what, what Ishii provides, and I think that's why he's gotten out, how he's gotten over in the UK and in the US, is that Ishii feels like the kind of, when we when they want Japanese wrestling, this is the kind of guy that they want. This is who kind of embodies it. There isn't a sense of oh, the, Ishii's not trying to cater to a Western market when he has a match, does he? Ishii mm. just Ishii has the match that he's going to have, and do you know what? They're generally brilliant. They're always worth your time and your money, and he, he's he's someone who just seems to be physically incapable of half-assing it as well. Mm. So across the board. Um, like he is, he is outstanding, and, and you know we talk about the ratings for the tournament. Um, a lot of them I had around like four point two five, I think, uh, across the board. Um, I had a couple of sort of tied matches. I think a card, a That's what it was for me. It was a tournament when I, when I went back and looked at it. There was about seven, eight, four star matches that are worth taking time out. And within having the narrative of a tournament setting as well, it worked mm. better. A special shout out as well because loved this. Um, Colt Cabana versus Tori Yano. Oh, I was going to mention that's my yeah. favorite, not the best match in the tournament. It's definitely one dome. of my favorites. I'd have that in one of the two dome <laughs> nights. It's just like, just, just go for the greatest comedy match of all time because oh. there was some really great stuff in there, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, they need to be in tag league as a team as well. I'd take that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was a joy. I mean, I, I, Yano can not always be for me, but yeah, seeing him and, him and Cabana go back and forth with the DVD stuff and the, the roll up stuff, you see him do a million times but they kind of had the chemistry you'd expect them to have uh, yeah. yeah that was great definitely a highlight of the tournament using the sticky tape to stop Yano taking off one of the turnbuckle pads <laughs> That's, it was it was it was good stuff and, and Yano is for me he's the group the best comedy match wrestler in the world well I, I like I said before I don't love watching comedy matches back when I'm watching them on TV I like them live Yano's matches I do often enjoy. I remember me and you going absolutely mad over that Kenny Omega um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yano match together last year. Yeah. yeah, I remember Zach Yano last year loving that. But Cole Cabana's always been the other comedy guy who I can watch at home. I'm fed up of all this gun shit from the likes of Los Federales when I'm watching progress shows or all this crap. I don't mind that stuff. Crap you get in Fight Club Pro, which is kind oh. of, you know, 
window dressing for a piss up that doesn't play well on vod um yeah but this stuff is yeah this for me is a proper comedy it, that the fight club pro stuff for me is the mrs brown's boys of comedy and this is the news this time of alan partridge of comedy if anything <laughs> yeah which has been getting uh, better episode by episode like yeah. like brothers who's zero by andy mcnab it gets better every read that doesn't it yeah yeah um <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the tournament. Another match we didn't mention, and someone I wanted to just mention. JP said about the the kind of next level, just below the kind of core main eventers, and mentioned Zach. Um, one match that I absolutely loved was Zach and Abushi. Yeah. I think yeah. the chemistry that these guys have is not spoken about enough. They every match they've had together, I can think of three matches. I can think of two matches in G1. Oh no, I can think of four and two matches in the New Japan Cups. One which Zach absolutely dominated him in last year in the New Japan Cup. But every single match they've had has been on a different level and has felt like a different sort of match. It's as if both guys are so complete in so much of what they are able to do in terms of stuff on the mat, in terms of kind of counter-wrestling-based stuff as well, but they can always find different ways to tell a different sort of story in their matches. And this was just another example of that. Like I was absolutely in awe of this match when I was watching it. I loved the ending as well. I was really quite surprised at the ending. I expected Ibushi to win. Same. Um, it feels like what what I'll also say is, even though New Japan continue to book guys against one another, they do create narratives around that when it comes to wins and losses as well. And they do actually think about it. They think about submission losses as well and how that plays into the next match. So there is really good sort of storytelling at its core as well mm. and this was different level i also loved zach's post-match promo did you hear his post-match no. promo so he was chatting about royal quest in august which abushi mm. has been announced for yeah. so it made me wonder if he was putting something in place following his match of abushi and maybe he'll be yeah, facing abushi royal quest possibly i will absolutely take that as a match that we'll see live but he also spoke about how he doesn't like the name Royal Quest because he's not a royalist and he wants to change the name. And I was like, yes, that's why I love you, Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> Man after all of our own hearts. He is. And he's made the abdominal stretch a dangerous move again rather than a rest hold spot. <laughs> well, Robbie Brookside made it a dangerous move, but Robbie Brookside was boring. Zack Sabre Jr. is not boring. There you go. <laughs> uh, anything else on New Japan Cup or should we, uh, should we move on? I think we've covered it all, haven't we? I yeah. think it was a great yeah. tournament. And I'd, if you have not watched any of it, watch it. Question for you, JP. Have you watched the Osprey J White match? You said you haven't watched New Japan for a little bit. No, I had watched the. That was the Got only it. match I'd seen from the anniversary show. Yeah, because I was going to say. Only one. Definitely watch that. Yeah, mm, yeah definitely. Lo loads of recommendations there. You have people to check out. And yeah, New Japan Cup's normally a time of the year where I said myself, I'd usually check out. But. Glad I didn't this year. Glad I, glad I stuck with it and, uh, and caught up with it the last few days. It's definitely been worthwhile and yeah, got some interesting things coming up. Uh, should we talk uh, some of the other stuff we've been watching then? No, maybe briefly because we're going to probably spend a lot of time on uh, on OTT Homecoming. Uh, but briefly before that, uh, you guys have been very busy watching uh, Ring of Honor and AAA. We should probably go to Ring of Honor first. There's the obvious tie-in to, to New Japan as we were just talking about. Madison Square Garden is looming. They're setting things up. Uh, I don't know. I, I, this was a show that, for me, I knew it was coming up. More than anything, like I said at the top of the show, you know, it, it blew my mind that 
that Ring of Honor's been around for 17 years. Uh, that was kind of the, my big takeaway from it. But I don't know. What did you make of it? And what did you make of the, uh, the direction of, uh, of Ring of Honor as we, we head into uh, the Madison Square Garden joint show in New Japan? Uh, I'd say that Ring of Honor feels directionless and mm, 17 again. years. Yeah. <laughs> How many of those Seven... Ring of Honor years have been good, really? 17 years and all people talk about is the first four. Like, uh, I mentioned yeah. on a previous one of our shows, they did a poll, you know, what's your best Ring of Honor match of all time? And the odd person would throw in, you know, Jay Briscoe versus whoever in a recent title defense or Jay Lethal versus whoever. But the vast majority of people were picking matches from 2005 and 2006. Uh, you say it's directionless now, but all in all, I think it's been pretty directionless for, you know, they've been riding on the coattails of the elite lads. They've sold out Madison's Goyle Garden on the back of the elite lads, even though they're not going to be there, Marty aside. Uh, that's just Ring of Honor in 2019, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive shame that their name is even on this on this bill, to be honest. If this was a strict New Japan show, I think it would be a much more promising show. Um, they tried to use the pay-per-view to set stuff up for it, but my God, they're still pushing the same old mediocre, mm. dull guys that they've been insistent on pushing forever. They didn't set anyone up to replace the elite once they were gone, but they kept on relying on Kenny King, Jay Lethal, and Matt Taven, who caused and gave them absolutely zero buzz for the longest time. And still, at this point in time, they're going with these guys. Like, Delirious is either completely lazy or just has no interest in watching any wrestling outside of, I don't know, what he promotes and maybe a bit of New Japan. Because how he can think that Jay Lethal and Matt Taven are main eventers and main eventers that should be going an hour, ah, just it boggles the mind. It really does. And... When I saw that match went an hour, I just thought, fuck an that. An like, an hour. My, mate, my uh, mates were watching it live, Matty and Crewy, and I don't think Crewy's, like, recovered from it yet. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, the fact they take you, like, the way you put it is, like, it's like they're taking you in with no lube. Like, no warning that you got an hour match coming. You stay up, you watch their pay-per-view in good faith, and then they do that to you. They give you Jay Lethal for an hour with Matt Haven. Yeah, I can't say I've ever enjoyed 10 minutes of Matt Taven's work, let alone an hour. I've maybe enjoyed an hour of Jay Lethal's work combined over the last 14 years. Um, that's probably a bit harsh. Jay Lethal isn't that bad. But an hour of these guys, fuck that. I'm glad I didn't watch that. More the full JP for watching it. <laughs> well, I had a strange experience watching this because... I just had the the show on from start to finish, and I uh, I was sort of paying attention pretty much at the start. I thought the the Women of Honor match was was awful, and then it went into this, and I was like, why is this fourth on the card? Thought, okay, this is going to be interesting if nothing else, and it started off, and by God, it was slow. At that point in time, I thought. Actually, there's a bit of cooking I could really do with getting on with this time. And I started, to, I was just had it on my iPad and I just started to watch, have it on in the background around it. And in that first half an hour, what I saw of it, it was just like, I don't want to see it. What did they you then had this... more important? Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, what did you know, it was, a, it was, what I was cooking was effectively a, well, it was a spank bowl. It was all right. So for anyone stars curious on, the on that side. Or... Well, uh, as a grapple rating, I'd certainly say it was a solid four, well, 
I'm not going to blow my own trumpet on that one. What did you enjoy more, the spag bowl or the, re- or the match? Ultimately, the spag bowl. But the second half of the match just went completely berserk. So I found myself drawn into watching the this run-in where some balloons came up from under the ring. And it distracted Todd Sinclair. Just stood there and looked at them as Vinnie Mar, <laughs> yeah, as Vinnie Marseglia and Tico Ryan ran in to attack Jay Lethal. It's like a- Todd Sinclair's not looking at this because he's looking at these balloons. I, I, I might be remembering this wrong, but that's appeared to be what, what like, was taking place. Why are they using balloons? Like to me, no, that that has connotations know. of like I don't know, doink, paedophiles. <laughs> that's that's bleak. That <laughs> I don't know, but I, well, my mind it. obviously works in it. Yeah, it. There you yeah. go. And so, think of the connotations of the what? character of what's his name yeah. in it as well. So Pennywise. Pennywise. Yeah, we're celebrating seventeen years of Ring of Honor. It's just a homage to Feinstein. That's all there is. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! We're gonna get in trouble again, aren't we? Oh, that was good. Uh, we are, but that was very good. But like, um, fucking but balloons. Yeah. Oh, look, there's so some balloons. At, like, that, at that point, Gresham, who was meant to be on the card against Silas Young, but wasn't, came out. He got attacked, and they hurt. He did an injury angle, so his knee. So he wasn't wrestling later that night as well. Another kick in the bollocks. Um, <laughs> at that point, it it started to. Um, they sort of just cleared them all out. I'm trying to think who came down now. Some two other people, Mark Askins. I heard. um, was it and Tracy Williams and Tracy Williams, right? Lifeblood, the, the faction, oh. <laughs> yeah, the weirdest faction, the, the most directionless faction oh. in the world. Well, we've got seven new guys, so let's just put them all in a faction yeah. together for no reason whatsoever. Which, yeah, I've got a point to raise about that at the end of this. On, we've, but, got, anyway. we've got do not resuscitate, they're definitely not the, the, yeah. the most directionless uh, <laughs> faction like, in wrestling. I don't know, I think this lot are more directionless. It's an interesting debate, um, <laughs> but with, next week. with this match, it then just turned to a hardcore match mm. and it did some very dangerous stuff, which I'll admit did keep my attention. Even if it was just like, why is the referee doing nothing about this as Jay Lethal does a an elbow drop onto uh, from the top to the uh, to a ladder that's draped between the barricade well, and the were, edge of the ring. They were balloons to watch, man. They, so. they really were, weren't they? they were captivating balloons, obviously. And then they had, um, yeah, they did a big suplex through the table. So I found myself, I won't lie, watching that last half hour while simultaneously thinking, thinking, when's this fucking ending? This has gone on <laughs> for ages. Like, at some point, this has to end, because they were just kicking out, endlessly kicking out of each other's finishers. I was like, and so you had no indication about the time, and it was like an hour, and I was like, have I been spending the best part of an hour watching Jay Lethal and Matt Tate? <laughs> slightly incredulous that I'd gone through it. I, it. It wasn't the worst match I'll ever see. I'm Like, I probably saw, in total, about half an hour. That's more than enough that anyone would ever ever do. You'd watch this at times too, certainly, and maybe stop for some of the car crash stuff. But then it was like, and the crowd was sort of a lot more pro Matt Taven by the end of the end of the match. They seemed to get something from it. Um, I don't know if they were all high or something like that. But... Just looking, JP, you gave it three stars on the grapple app. That's not, that's yeah. not a thumbs. That on Rotten Tomatoes, that'll be a that'll be a fresh. Yeah, but it's 60%. Let's think about it. Three stars, 10 minute match. All right, 10 minutes of your life. Three stars, one. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, to me... 3.68 the average on Gruffle. Well, to me, when I saw this, I thought to myself, Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. Those shite... I didn't even like the first Pirates of the Caribbean, but (laughs) by all the cast of sequels, they made a fuck ton of money. No one liked. And we were at a point in Hollywood where producers went, well, for audiences to get their money's worth, it's got to be 3D and it's got to be over two and a half hours long. Transformers as well. And... Uh, no one liked those films and they sucked and they were directionless and they were made purely for profit this obviously wasn't there purely for profit i don't don't know know how this could make money but it's (laughs) probably yeah it's hard it's it's, seriously it's just needlessly long when there's no need for it to be that long yeah like i can you i get so annoyed watching a film that's needlessly long and it then podcasts are the worst you know podcasts that go three hours can't stand them yeah, who would do that? It really reminded me. I was thinking of like, remember when um, Punk and Joe did their one-hour draw, and then Austin Aries and Brian Anderson talked Gabe into doing it. Even like they were going for two hours, I think, and they got to about ninety minutes testing the limit, and they just caught. They went home. They were just like, you know what, this isn't working. Let's stop. But that's Brian Anderson and Austin Aries. I can forgive it there. They went seventy-five, didn't they? Seventy-five is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. enough. Uh, but that's with them two, like two of the best wrestlers in the world at that point, and one of them still is. But yeah, that's not again. That's not Jay Lethal on my table. You can prove that you can have these two go an hour with some bells and whistles in the middle, just to prove that you can have them go an hour. But ultimately, what this has ended <clears throat> up doing for me, and this is playing into the sort of bigger picture with MSGs, you've got your world title now, which was originally the winner. You know. The champion from this, Jay Lethal, was going to be up against Marty Skrull, which would have... And Matt Taven and, and Ladder But match. it would have been just yeah. him and Marty Skrull, which, if nothing else, Marty would have got a big reaction from that crowd, mm. potentially. So the that could have been... Yeah, that could have at least done something as a singles match as well. You might have got really motivated, Marty, because it would have been for the Ring of Honor title. No. We're going to have a, a three-way ladder match now with... With Matt Taven. You've My had... biggest problem with this. And what says more Ring of Honor on its biggest night of the year? <laughs> a three way ladder match with Jay Lethal and Matt Taven. And the last main event, well, last WrestleMania weekend main event at Madison Square Garden would have also been a triple threat. And we've gone from Chris Benoit versus Shawn Michaels versus Triple H in a triple threat <laughs> match for a world title to having Matt Taven and Jay Lethal in a match. It's a. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even Marty, like I like Marty, but if you think he's going to be trying to kill himself in this ladder match, he's not that no. kind of wrestler anymore. He's going to be, he's going to be dodging those big bumps. He's just waiting for his, his elite contract. Just it'll be Taven killing himself in, mm. in a quite dull way. Yeah, for I think half an hour. Our matches should only happen between wrestlers who are legitimately some of the best wrestlers in the world. Omega and Naito, sorry, Omega and Okada have had two of the best hour matches. Well, two of the best matches I've ever seen, mm. let alone two of the best hour matches I've ever seen. And they're the two, if you ask me, they are the two best wrestlers in the world. I'm sure, I'm sure Zack Sabre Jr. could go an hour with someone, you know. I'm mm. sure um, Tanahashi could go an hour with someone. Matt Haven and Jay Lethal, come on. <laughs> Doesn't, didn't Jay Lethal and Roderick Strong go an hour a few years ago as well? Like, Yeah, I remember that being raved about, but I can't recall whether I saw it. I think that tells you everything. I probably did, and I just yeah. don't remember. 
And then, I mean, as a result of this hour, they ended up cutting a couple of matches off the card as well. I was going to ask, is, is there anything else on the show you would have recommended that like made uh, it worth it? I, I, going back, no, not really. If you don't this <laughs> like card, to... it'd be perfectly fine. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Shane Taylor. I, yeah, say, I watched that. Yeah. I cherry-picked. I watched that. That Cobb, was good. Cobb, Shane Taylor, was the, for me, was the match of the night. Yeah, it was a good Hoss match. Throwing each other around. It was the best Shane Taylor match I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely some improvement in him, and both complemented each other and quite nicely. Cobb Osprey could be a. Oh, I think that'd be yeah. great. I think Osprey's got a reputation, as I've said earlier, of getting career best performances out of guys. Yeah. Here we go. Let's let's hope he can get one out. I think Cobb's good. I think he's inconsistent. Cobb and Adam Page on the last Ring of Honor pay per view was fucking awesome. I thought. Let's see what Osprey can get out of him. I just think there were some matches on here as well, like Marty against Kenny King. I like Marty, obviously. Kenny, Kenny King. fucking King. The rumours about him being added into this ladder match as well. Oh, God. Kenny King wrestling for a world title at Madison Square Garden. Kenny King. Oh. Like, <laughs> delirious, mate. Sort it the fuck out. Oh, I could just imagine. I was thinking, like, you know, over the weekend, Marty Scale did that pro wrestling tease signing. He was sat right next to CM Punk. I was thinking the chat they would have. CM Punk must have been like, oh my God, Ring of Honor's running Madison Square Garden. Oh, who are you working? Yeah, Matt Taven and Jay Lethal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Christ. But Jay Lethal went out of his head. Well, now it's CM Punk's wife, didn't he? So, you oh, know. of course, yeah, before he <laughs> was, Yeah. 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 <laughs> there was a feeling that I'd had when I was watching uh, the main event on here with uh, Brody King and PCO beating the Briscoes. Overall, like watching it in a match that I had seen variations on that before, people were much higher on it than me. I just I thought it, it was, sucked. Yeah, I was just like, I don't, I'm not really enjoying this. I've seen this before. The the Briscoes talk about directionless entirely for the company. The the Briscoes are so deeply directionless as an as an act in general. Well, you've just got the same guys hanging around this promotion. The Briscoes are another couple of the but same guys. What this reminded me of was what those later ECW pay-per-views, which would mm. just be headlined by a mad plunder match in it. You'd have your world tie with people who, after everyone else had been signed away, you end up with Steve Carino and Just Incredible on, on top. Hey, I like Just Incredible. I, I enjoyed him on top. I'd, you know, I enjoyed... Both of them, I mean, but at the same time... It Sixth was like member of the click, just incredible, come on. Yeah, they'd have those in the middle of the card, and by the end you'd realise, actually, have I watched anything that was really good? I mean, I, I was looking forward to Rush Ban Bandido, and I think... I watched Roosh, that too, it was all right. I thought it was all right. I think Roosh is a star, and I think he, at least from a charisma point of view, I can understand, and the money they're paying him, pushing him to the top of the card. But as a he... worker, he's not... I think he'd be a bigger star in MLW. I think they yeah. um, book around the likes of Roosh and the Hispanic guys. I think they get them a little bit more. Mm. <clears throat> they understand the culture and the style maybe a little bit more. I think Court Bauer's way more in touch with that than Delirious certainly mm. is. just feels like he was a hot guy out there and they signed him. And they probably it'd probably be quite directionless. Thing there. I think they won't know what to do with him. I think they'll put him in situations that don't suit him as well. I thought the match was fine. It just felt like a series of kind of disjointed spots that kind That's of Lucha. happened at various points. That is very much Lucha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a good segue, isn't it? Because that's a hell of a segue. You, you suffer for your art, JP. Oh, really? Do, I kind of have this like real hate watching thing with triple a from time to time. 
I like to find myself watching Guerrero's de Titan, just thinking, what? What? Why am I watching this? And Triple Mania. Vampiro, that's why you're watching it. Well, this year I watched it on Spanish commentary. Do you know oh, what? Oh no! Oh, it's a lot better. No, mate, Come you're on. sick through it. Oh, you're <laughs> mate. I'm, I'm just watching the memes. Honestly, right? I'll, I'll read out the four lines of notes that I wrote down on here. Okay. Cool. Um, I wrote down Triple A Raider Reyes. Fuck me, AAA is a mess. <laughs> the state of some of that roster. WCW 2000 on the booking front. They should be delighted to have an agreement with AEW. And you know what? I'll change that phrase from delighted to they should be willing to crawl naked over broken glass to stick matchsticks in Tony Khan's shit. That's how great <laughs> it to be to have an agreement with AEW. Perhaps they'll it's... wank off some dogs for it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's going to be the title of the episode now. It's just got to be. <laughs> um, oh, it's a fucking disaster zone on it. I see other people going, it's all right. No, it is not. It's not all right. It really is. You are right. right. <laughs> I don't I'm think not, he was all right watching this. Sit, I'm thinking about the, the match, the mixed tag championship. Oh, and I've seen Big Mammy and Nino Hamburguesa before. You're not. Neither are you missing anything. You don't need to know anything more about it. It was a. It was a. Mick, it was an intergender tag match that took place. So the guy's name's Hamburger. Yeah. Is he like big bloke? No. Oh, okay. Him and Cheeseburger, not anything together before. No, nothing like. That. Okay. Then they had a Cody in ring segment with Hugo Savinovich, who does the Spanish commentary. Um, he was there, and like he was coming out there talking, and Savinovich was translating, but. At the same time, the crowd weren't reacting to it at all. Then Conan came out because, of course, as a heel faction and trying to make sense of what is going on from a storyline perspective with the English commentary was was nigh on impossible. The Spanish commentary, they, they kind of said a few things. I was like, all right, them together. But it was just, it put this way, no LAX. No LAX whatsoever with, with Conan. Um and they had a um, – there was one guy there who we'd seen on MLW recently, Taurus, who was very good. Um, and they just had a match where they attacked him, and then Seiko Clown, he's always bloody there. Um, he came out. Uh, You're not a Seiko Clown there, though. No, I'm not a Seiko Clown. Oh, they had Pagano on it. He's absolutely fucking terrible. <laughs> this match, Inverno, Chessman, Superfly, Drag- Drago, Pagano, and Puma King. Just – just bollocks. I do know you, Jeff Jarrett. I was going to say, I know you do like it was on That's this card. Now, yeah, like in a, I was terrible. It was terrible. Oh, but Jeff slap was nuts there. Bullet Club T-shirt. Come on. Oh, came out, yeah, slap nuts. He was starting to fight. I think it was Super Porky at ringside. Did he um, use his guitar on anyone? Uh, no, he didn't. He was basically out of there really quickly. It was like, um, it was just like a ca- cage match. It was all over the fucking shop it was just awful and jeff i mean jeff looked like one of the more credible figures in that match killer the, killer cross was in there how the fuck is jeff doing that's this match it. that's the whole time you're watching and going how is he allowed to be there yeah but do you know what the next step for jeff is of his unbelievable <laughs> he gets himself on the wrestlemania card <laughs> yes. let's say on monday we have a swerve where Kurt Angle comes out and talks about his career and one last match. And maybe we have Kurt and Jeff rekindling <laughs> their rivalry from TNA. And Karen, Karen come out. Yeah. 
Karen Angle there as well. Do you know the oh Karen Jarrett? You know, the ridiculous thing about it all is right. Jeff Jarrett got what seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds for one match twenty years <laughs> ago, right? Against China. Now he's back there, right? Kurt Angle's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, right? His WWE run, I think, from 2000 2006 is one of the best runs of any wrestler ever, right? Mm. I think Vince McMahon now has more respect for Jeff Jarrett than he does Kurt Angle. Jeff Jarrett gets more preferential treatment in that company than Kurt Angle does. How the fuck has Jeff Jarrett got himself in a better position than Kurt Angle? It doesn't make any sense. Jeff Jarrett. It's weird. He works his way onto everything, and he'll probably be on Triple Mania as well. <laughs> yeah, and WrestleMania as well. Wrestle yeah. Kingdom. Um, oh, Madison Square Garden. Oh, God, yeah. I expect him to be headlining Joey Janela's as well. For <laughs> well, he if it's actually all the fame somehow, I, I'm sure he's trying. Yeah, get himself in again as a, uh, I don't know, stable maybe, the, that version of the Four Horsemen. Maybe get them in. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I suppose the main takeaway from the show, and it, you know, <laughs> back just to bring it back, just to finish this godforsaken show um, for for Triple was the fact that Phoenix and Pentagon beat, um, they won the the tag belts, and then straight after the match, um, the Bucks came out. Crowd not really reacting to it at all. They just mm, kind of have saw the video. Yeah, they have the things that they hoot all the time is just that as much as anything else. And then they had a match there between them, um, which ultimately I'm not quite sure what it achieves because, I mean, how much this card is going to translate over. I mean, they, they said they're going to bring in names like Kenny Omega and um, and obviously they'd mentioned the Bucks and Chris Jericho, they said they might bring in. Like, God, I... I really think they need to look into what they were getting into here. If you think they, if there's one, if there's one partnership you really want them pushing for, it's the New Japan one of just going. Look at this. We talked about that 70th anniversary show. Tony should be on the phone to Harold May, just going, just see that shower of shit <laughs> on Friday night, uh, Harry. Just say, like he's Harry Redknapp or something, and you know, just go, yeah, you're right. We'll, I'll tell you what, we'll fuck these boys off after WrestleMania. Good. Kenny in the G1, brilliant, yeah. Wink. And that's it. No more <laughs> needs to be said. And that business could be sorted out. Because oh. Triple A, it's just a shit show. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to watching some more Triple A. Oh, is, the, no, is, the, is the Spotlight Triple A correspondent? Spotlight correspondent for everything that you two have zero interest yep. in watching. Lucha correspondent. Uh, it's got to come in handy over Mania weekend, mate. I'll be watching Tournament of Death for shits and giggles. You watched it by choice. I watched about an hour of it. It was disgusting. It was <laughs> fucking disgusting. I loved it. I it was great. I can't, I can't watch that. As an 18-year-old, possibly, but not now. I thought me and you were going to get a Delaware at some we're point. We're not going to Delaware. Maybe Tijuana instead, the bit of Triple A. Actually, well... <clears throat> bit of the Wild West, but I'd sooner go to Tijuana than sitting in DJ Hyde's farm in somewhere <laughs> out in Delaware. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, well, Tijuana, some point. Tijuana. Me, me and you. <laughs> I want to come. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll I'd, make... I'd go to, the, I'd go to, the, to the, the death match in Delaware, though, as well. I'd love to hang out in DJ Hyde's back garden. Looks like a hell well, of a time. A little barbecue on the go. JP oh, yeah. can have a bit of a smoke. 
once this oh, once <laughs> this becomes profitable, we'll uh, put some money in the bank and we'll start spotlight playing Delta. spotlight trips abroad. How about that? <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll do a wrestling bucket list with a uh, CZW tournament of death being on there, and maybe a trip to Tijuana to see just, some Triple uh, A. Just to see if we can break JP. Basically, that's going to be the uh, the function of the show. I'll, I'll go on the journey. I'm, I'm happy to look at a new place. I don't know. Delaware's on the top of that list. Uh, it'd be like the Simpsons when uh, Krusty goes down to Tijuana at the end of that episode. Do you want to tell me next time there's a Rise of the Juggalo show as well? Should we include oh, that? Get that into. Yeah. Do they still run shows? I don't know. God, this has really gone off a cliff, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk OTT? Let's talk OTT. Uh, AAA, I watched the, the Young Bucks bit on this, actually, just to add. That was the first AAA I can remember watching since When Worlds Collide. Uh, that tells you how much AAA I've watched in the last wow. few years, mate. Yeah. Uh, well, so yeah, don't expect a, a AAA uh, podcast to be coming to, spot, uh, to grapple anytime soon. But then again, maybe JP will do it. We'll, uh, no. we'll see. <laughs> right, OTT then. Um, from the bad to the very, very good. And yeah, I'm going to lift your mood up here, JP, because uh, mm. it was quite a familiar. So, I mean, the, the the obvious place to start is Devlin and Walter, and the it's quite a familiar, soothing tone uh, in the uh, <laughs> the intro video for that. I popped big time when it was it was the three of you, wasn't it? It was uh, John Pollock, it was Jim Cornette, and it was JP Houlihan uh, <laughs> providing the voiceover in the epic Walter. Jordan Devlin. Uh, it was from our uh, joint show with Post over Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, in the corner, listeners might not have heard that, but uh, that, we did do that. That was a thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the the isolated some of your audio, and yeah, you were there. You were part of the build up. Did you did you feel very proud that you could uh, help your countrymen out? I'd like to claim credit for selling out the national stadium <laughs> with that with my ice cold take that. Uh, Walter versus Devlin was a really good match. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, um, it was, you know, it's uh, it was a bit... When, when I found out, I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is a bit out of hand. I played it to my children, thought, oh, they might think that's... Good. No, no reaction. On running, ongoing theme, they were like, all right, is your voice on it? Okay. And then just left it alone. Um <laughs> they didn't care. They weren't moved. They didn't care. Don't give a shit at all. Oh. That's, that's what they're like. Oh, that's 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 the way our relationship works these days. Um, <laughs> as a as a package, um, I mean, I thought we did a when they played it in the arena, and you hear the applause afterwards, and, and you see the reaction to it, and you watch it again, and you realise how there's no the bit where Devlin's running up the the cliffs just looks superb, like using using a drone to film things and just spending that bit of extra time and attention. I mean, we've said it many, many times before, mm. but Sean Ryan is someone who, I mean, he is worth every penny that he gets. And if it's at all possible, it's the kind of stuff you'd like to see every major independent company have is th that kind of, And they build up the kind of emotions that boxing can bring up. And in this one in particular, they're playing up the whole Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. Mm. And they worked it really well with the with the punch that Devlin has as well. Um, so everything in the build up to this, uh, you know, intelligent 
simple to understand but with plenty of emotion at the heart of it looks sounds like i'm bloody petitioning for another promo package the way i'm going on um isolate but it, was, it was triple yeah. a might use some of your stuff as well <laughs> yeah get me in on commentary just swearing for the night um yeah over overall in terms of the build-up to this it was mm. it was something special and do you know what the match was something special yeah. for me i don't know whether or not i'd go i went full five on no, I wouldn't go that far. I, I didn't go full five on this. I think I went to four and a half. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd, I'd, I'd that's fair. Four and a half. I think that was 4.25. That crowd as well, is it the best crowd <clears throat> in European wrestling? Yeah, without a doubt. I think WXW are good, but I think mm. the Irish in this are mm. oh, invested in a, on a whole part, different Part level. of the match, aren't they? They, they are like the third man in the, in the ring. Like the the fans rushing up to the apron to, to bang on the side and just being so fully partisan behind Devlin. Yeah, the, the, this story and this match can't take place anywhere else, can it? Yeah, it's like being at Anfield in a Champions League night. Oh, come on, no, no. Ah, oh, the twelfth man. Yeah, come oh, on. Fuck off. Two thousand five. So we wound up JP. You're trying to wind me up now. Come on. That place. <laughs> that place is dead silent any other night of the week. They can get lost. But on a Champions League night, mate, they're still up for it. <laughs> Whatever. When they're there. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens this season. I think next round with Porto, easy tie. But, but yeah. Anyway, back to the. <laughs> Yeah, oh, Devlin's a big Liverpool fan himself. He'll be well. Yeah, 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 yeah. If he's listening, he was Hello, a local Jill. hero when he was overdoing TNT. He was not quite as beloved as he is in Dublin, but definitely beloved in Liverpool. Uh, but yeah, it was special, though, wasn't it? Like as a match, I mean, I shouldn't undersell it. It was very good. I don't think again the first match is my match of the year last year. This is probably my favourite European match so far this year. I would probably say. But I don't think it's going to be me matching the year at the end of the year. And I think part of that's because they told a different story. They were smart in doing that, you know, going with the, the hand stuff and changing the dynamic a little bit with, you know, Devil and having to, to fight through that. Uh, and then Walter in turn kind of getting getting caught with uh, some beautiful poetry of uh, hitting his own hand and then his, his chop kind of being his own downfall to the end of the match. It was a very different kind of match, but it was perfect for the story they were telling. It was perfect to, to finally do this, you know, the monster getting slayed match, which, again... You know, as much as we talk about Jordan Devlin, Walter is fantastic for his part as well as the uh, as the big heel. I thought Devlin was amazing in the match, though. Um, mm-hmm. I think his performance was like really, really of a high standard. But watching this, I'm thinking to myself, if there was one guy I could have not in the WWE system and just being elsewhere doing yes. stuff that yes. allowed him some freedom and allowed him to maximize his talent, it would be Devlin. And I'm so glad that he's still got OTT because he's beloved. His confidence is sky high. And here is performance. Just the way he was using his entire body to actually tell the story. So his body language throughout the match was absolutely amazing. Mm. Right, if you have rewatched the match, really watch the way he sells specific moves and uses his body in different positions and in different ways to help establish and tell the story of what Walter's offense is doing to him and his frustration with his facial expressions as well. He's everything that Sonada isn't in terms of facial (laughs) expressions and using his body in order to help tell a story and advance the story of a match. I thought that his frustration at times after his um, approach with a four-punch combo didn't go his way was absolutely awesome. And I think without 
just that sheer ability to sell the emotion of the occasion, this wouldn't be anywhere near as over. And it's a testament to just how good Jordan Devlin is that he's got this over with this crowd. Um, yeah, I thought this was a great match, uh, obviously. I didn't think it was as good as the first match. But again, like you said, Ben, it was a different type of match mm. as well. But they gave everything the crowd, every, they gave the crowd everything they wanted on that night. Everything they did worked with that crowd. The things about it I didn't love. Um, I didn't love the whole Walter walking out and Joe Cabray and Paul Tracy and the other guys um, stopping him from walking out. I thought that was a bit over the top. I felt like that was like, I don't know, someone trying to walk out of the Queen Vic and someone coming from every corner to stop them walking out of the Queen Vic while they wait for Phil Mitchell to come and batter them or something. (laughs) I thought that was ridiculous. Um, And the match could have done without that. Hmm. But at the same time, I'm not, I don't know, Irish. Because yeah. they got away <laughs> with it, didn't they? OTT fan. Maybe there's a level of investment that you have to have as a mm. sort of home fan, if anything, to understand that and to fully engage with that. And it seems to work for the crowd who bought into it. Mm. And obviously there's a history to what those guys bring to the promotion and bring to the story to some extent as well. So, all right, it worked from that perspective. Um it was an incredible match, and if anyone's listening who hasn't watched it, seek it out, because I think by the end of the year, it will be up there still amongst people's European match of the year. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I think it's... I probably wouldn't go that far. I think it'll be a, it'll be in the conversation, but I, I do wonder, yeah, maybe it is those little things at the, like, at the end. Like, I didn't... Watching it live, like you say, the crowd bought it, so it was fine. But I don't know if you'd agree, JP, there's something... I mean, I enjoy Walter's performance, but mm. some of the things he does are a little bit inconsistent with the Walter character. Maybe it's just a specific Walter character for here. Like, I love the flag stomp, and I thought that was fun. Um, yeah. I, I don't mind him playing somewhat of... not Maybe coward is too far. Um, but yeah, maybe something about that, him, him kind of trying to walk out. Does that fit the character for you, for, for who Walter is? Uh, it, Maybe not in general, but in but in, in OTT, because um, there are little things like that, like the you know that he's so disrespectful of the title, and I'm kind of like, yeah, that doesn't really seem very Walter. I appreciate that OTT are doing something mm. different, with them. and again, it works. So minor complaint, but I don't know. Does that go some way to maybe you know why we're not saying it's outright you know going to be match of the year at the end of the year? Possibly it was the part that took me out of the match yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. As I was completely invested obviously knowing what what fully what had happened um and it did take me out of it uh i wonder um though this played onto the finish that obviously they had with the pack match at homecoming as well yeah 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 they did so that in that sense they had built it up uh i mean we are i mean in some ways i wrote i wrote about this saying you know i personally would have liked seeing all of the wrestlers almost gradually come out from all aspects of the crowd and just get closer to the ring as if they're watching the match but also blocking the exits for Walter now ultimately we're really nitpicking over one time it is it's like trying to find reasons why it it isn't perfect in terms of (laughs) you know how much I enjoyed it as well and those the commentators again between uh, Angus O'McNally and and, um, Tony Kelly they do a great uh, job of selling, you know, you know Walter's motivations in those moments yes. as well. To the credit, like they're, they're even like arguing with each other, you know, of I think 
I think it was over the the point of him disrespecting the belt and and the kind of going, oh, well, I I don't agree with that. I I don't, I think it's just mind games. He's trying to play mind games with Devlin. I like that that there's there's layers there that you can read into in the commentary. Does yeah. such a good job of putting over those little elements of the story that again worked on this night, but might not have worked in a different presentation. Yeah. That's that's very much true. I mean, I've, I'm looking at some. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything more that I can really say about um, Jordan Devlin himself, mm. other than in an ideal world there, there would be no ceiling to what his career could be. Mm. But he's in a place which is all about tiered ceilings <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> and restrictions, <laughs> and not having people do things in the way that they themselves might want to do it. Um, and do you think his do you think his title run? is cut short. I think the belt goes straight to David Starr because he is an actual independent wrestler who OTT can get behind. Or do you believe the conspiracy theory that maybe there's WWE involvement here? I I think they will get it onto Starr. I think that would actually be good. In some ways, the money's always in the chase, isn't it? Mm. And, you know, having a a long reigning... They already had a long (coughs) reign from Devlin necessarily beforehand. And if... You know, and the really the realization is that everybody knows is there is a, a very much a time limit on how long he's going to be available to them on the level that they'd want that. So mm. getting onto Star is the thing that makes the most sense. And you know, to say for Star as well, who was in a match that was oh. was very good. I mean, he knows at the other end of the scale how to work that OTT crowd. Mm. Coming out to the the fo- foggy dew. Oh, is that was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> seeing the fan who was just like that's not fucking on like screaming into the camera mm. was just like that's brilliant stuff yeah. coming out with the the you know the tricolor um shorts as well it's just yeah yeah his trolling is unbelievable next <laughs> level kind of proper yeah properly rather than coming out to you know wearing a Liverpool shirt in Manchester or something Mate, like that. Mate, you wore a Southampton shirt in Portsmouth. Yeah. That, you know, that's my favourite bit of cheap heel heat ever. Like, never did I think I'd see a wrestler wearing a Saints shirt to get heat. That was <laughs> fucking awesome. Um, going back to the match, just a couple of last things to say about it as well. Like, if we see a match anywhere else in the world, especially on the independent scene this year, with the level of emotion that this match was able to convey, I would be amazed. Like It was great seeing this level of emotion. Maybe the Star Devlin match. But we've seen Star Devlin and Walter Devlin in the first quarter of this year now. And the emotional response... Yeah, and well, in, I mean in OTT. And the emotional response to both of them has been on a completely different level in a way that you know sometimes i didn't think independent wrestling was capable of getting with this emotionally more and it's great to see it and it speaks mm. to the kind of patriotism of the irish fans to some extent yeah. and how great that is and how much that you were able to play that into storylines but yeah devlin again what what a, what a talent what an absolute great talent he is I think little things as well that he did in the match. Like, I don't know if you guys remember the moment where he threw a headbutt him because it was all he had left. And he was using his body um, to to kind of wear Walter down. He was using any part of his body he could use at any point in time as well. And it was just a great approach. That headbutt spot popped me in a big way because it just came out of nowhere and kind of changed momentum in the match to some extent and really got the crowd. Just little things as well, like the way he was picking Walter up, a struggle that he was portraying as well. And the way that he had the crowd in the palm of his hand on every aspect of the struggle to kind of slay the giant, if anything. It was great. It felt like a sequel, but it felt like a sequel that I was very satisfied with 
but it wasn't quite as good as the first. Like um, Creed 2 would be a recent example mm. of that. Or <laughs> Back to the thing. Future 2. I think Back to the Future 2 is almost as good as the first. Maybe better some on some days. Depends what it, depends on my mood. But yeah. <laughs> Three known the conversation now. Nah, uh, Free gets caught up in the Doc Clara Clayton love story and kind of goes off the rails a little bit. Whereas two with alternative 1985 Biff, which is clearly based on Donald Trump, is just different level. And I'm pretty sure JBL, I don't think he took influence from it, but JBL used to remind me of 1980, <laughs> alternative 1985 Biff at times as well. When he's in them slippers and that dressing gown at Biff's Casino... <laughs> Did you see the image that came out? Like again, another sidebar, but JBL in Japan in 1995 doing an Undertaker tribute act. Yes, Brilliant. I did see that. No. He should have been doing his Trump then. Yeah, full on gloves, hair over his eyes, like pointing at the camera. Amazing. Uh, hopefully, people wind him up with that on Twitter because he's a fucking knob. Amazing. <laughs> Back to OTT though. Um, we just talked about uh, Star. You know he's going to be the villain in, in OTT now going forward. I think he's going to be the top guy. I enjoyed the match with Dan Barry. Dan Barry is beloved in Ireland. Um, I perfect match. This. Didn't you like it? No, I really liked it. I thought I, I know was it the chanting that bothered you because I thought they worked that well with doing like the technical while the fans got the chants out and then kind of went to the. You kind of got got people into it on the finish. Uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, people were into it, but I thought it was way too long for what it was. Um, it. it was the, one of the longest thought, matches on the card. Yeah, with David Starr being a challenger, next title contender as well, and being so pivotal to the main event scene in OTT, I didn't understand why he wasn't beating Dan Barry in eight minutes. Mm. You can do all the comedy stuff still, and Starr's trolling in half the time they gave him. I thought this went way too long. That's fair, that's fair. Um, how about you, JP? Were you a fan of that, or did you have any other uh, big highlights on the show? Well, I mean, for me, it was, uh, as an undercard go, there was a couple of points I was, I'd raised to Joe earlier on before recording, one of which was, this is probably the least stacked undercard to a national stadium show they've had for, for a while. Um, I mean, in terms of imports and whoever they brought, uh, brought in, it was, a lot of it was based around that lower mid card that I, I'm quite fond of, but I'm not quite sure that, that you two are particularly invested in them. So I so I found there were a series of what I thought were at best kind of average to good matches that were lifted by crowds that was hot yeah. and that was and that was into them. And so like I have to say I thought the, the Davis Liger match was a was a bit of a mess. Yeah, it was a disappointment. Using stuff it? with Liger was weird. I oh yeah when they quite... dubbed him. Yeah. But dubbed them with the music they used anyway. That was odd. Yeah, dubbed it with that so you didn't get any of the crowd reaction. This is the first and probably only time he'll be wrestling in Ireland and, and like, it's kind of dubbed over the reaction to him. Mm. I thought that was weird. I mean, obviously, you know, Davis got the win. There's a good story to tell with to tell with him as well. Um, I, I did... I, I'm also reminded by how much I miss Zach Gibson. Just the, the sort of promo proper Zach Gibson heel work at the start. It was, you know, fantastic. I mean, on these kind of shows, he doesn't do that much in the ring. And the match itself was okay. But 
it was a match. I think a lot yeah. of the matches on this card weren't there for the match necessarily. Yeah, I think one the, match card as yeah, much as anything. The rapture stuff with Gibson, Samuels, and Sterling was there for the reaction, wasn't yeah. it? And the heat, yeah. and it played into what the crowd wanted that night, and they wanted to be into stuff. And it was all about the good guys and the bad guys, the heels and the faces, the blue eyes and the villains this night, wasn't it? So <laughs> Watch it those worked. Things. It, oh, love an inside term. Let's carry on using them because it makes me sound cool. Um, um, anyway, well, England, England is a very heel country, though, isn't it? Yeah, we're a bunch of cunts. Yeah, let's be honest, mate. Well, we're a bunch of bloody-minded, arrogant, stubborn bastards. Why in? Well, who knows? On a self-destructive bent. Yeah, when we can just revoke Article Fifty and this shite can all be over and we'll get the best deal possible. We're refusing to do it because we're a bunch of bloody-minded arseholes. Oh, we want to leave. We want to leave. Why do you want to leave the EU? What is it you actually fundamentally dislike about the EU? Give me a reason. And rarely people I speak to about this and ask for a reason can't give me a reason. But we've voted 50 <laughs> percent of us. It's democracy. What am I on about? Anyway, Ireland, they're well all right over there. Like them. <laughs> JP, you should move over there um, you with your Irish passport. <laughs> Can I just go back to the Scotty Davis Liger match? Yeah, for I wanted to talk about that too. Uh, yeah, because I thought, as, as far as a match, the layout and what they wanted to do in the match all made sense. Hmm. But so much of it just didn't seem to work. Like, it just felt like there was a lack of. So I there was communication issues between them, if anything. Mm. They weren't on the same page a lot of the time. It didn't feel like they kind of complemented one another. It was just quite an awkward match at points. And mm. it was a shame. I think the match is there for the moment, isn't it, at the end with Liger lifting Scotty Davis' hand. Yeah, you can yeah, use that for years yeah. when yeah. it comes to promoting Scotty Davis. And... You know, it was a good ending. I liked it. I, I love Liger, obviously. He's a legend. It was great to actually see him wrestling a guy this age and see this weird generational gap. Mm. But, yeah, it just it didn't never work. It didn't never was he not a replacement match? for Osprey, though? He yeah, was, he was. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they'll do that at some point. And I think Liger was a great replacement yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of the story, the age difference, where they are in their careers, ones at the start, ones at the end. But, yeah, it just didn't work. It just it, it for me it never got going as a match and it was the near falls that didn't work for me like I agreed I, I don't know whether it was because I did going in I I just thought oh Davis will look good I can't see Liger losing maybe I should have saw that coming but it almost felt like some of the near falls people didn't buy were going to be the finish the finish itself people didn't buy was going to be the finish it didn't yeah. feel like it just didn't feel dramatic at all and. I mean, I, I, to be honest, will give the the excuse that you know it's it's it is Justin Liger at this point in his career. We weren't gonna get you know a four and a half star match. We were gonna get something akin to this. But I, even then, I do think yeah, it, it it came in a little bit below what I was expecting, and maybe you can blame communication. But for me, yeah, it just felt it's just something to do with the the layout of those near falls at the end. Just didn't buy, and people just didn't hook onto it in the in the way I really would have expected for a crowd that were hot all night, you know, even yeah, for those undercard matches. It was little things like the um, count out and the tease of a 20 count as well, which yeah, yeah. I think if you put the match together, you'd think, yeah, people are going to be hot for this. Mm. They weren't. It just felt like the sort of, I don't know, down moment on the card that I think don't people were expecting either. It's a real shame um, because it felt like a real opportunity and a kind of marquee match to some extent, especially for this crowd. But yeah, just it didn't all come together. Uh, speaking of not coming together, something I really didn't enjoy on the card. Um, 
Because I, to be honest, I'm definitely higher than. I mean, JP, you were saying you know the undercard comedy or OTT doesn't always work for me. And Joe, for me, I found this show really easy to watch. Sometimes three-hour shows I struggle with. The comedy beats and most of it work for me. I didn't matter. You know, Hurricane Helms and the Angel Cruisers was a good laugh. The More yeah. Than Height Rapture match was a good laugh. The opening tag I could probably have done without, but I enjoyed most of the show. But yeah, the the British Strong Style Six Man. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just jaded. Maybe I've seen too much British Strong Style, but I didn't need to see another one of these matches. Uh, I mean, it worked because we all expected British Strong Style to to lose and be the loser who leaves town with that random. You know, we love OTT's booking, and I'll praise them to the hilt. But makes no sense really as a stiff. They just threw it on this, and it felt like okay, it's justified because this is British Strong Style's goodbye. But they went over, but again, in a match that oh, I really struggled to get into. And when they came out, they came out to, you know, Lover's Blindness. And I thought, ah, oh, this is a nice little, almost nostalgia trip. Uh, maybe I miss British Strong Style on the Indies. And then they had the match, and it was the British Strong Style match with some fun spots, a bit of comedy. But all in all, you know, a lot of the same stuff. We we all got so used to seeing them. I don't know if you guys were, were happy to see them again uh, in an indie match, or you, you shared uh, my thoughts on it. I was, yeah, I, I did share your thoughts, partly because I've seen a, ver- we, me and Joe have seen a version of this match at, at WrestleRama in Belfast, which was absolutely oh, yeah. wild and fantastic. And that was the comparison point. It was this great match we got to see front row in this really hot venue thinking, yeah, this is brilliant. Mm. And this one here, it, it just didn't do it for me like you. There was a, when they were signed away, I was I was always kind of like, you know, let Pete work on the main roster proper. I let Tyler do that as well. We we had seen every kind of, as many of these six man tags involving Moustache Man. And I was at the point of just like, I've seen it too many times now. And was thinking, all right, well, this is the OTT farewell. Fair enough. They've done it everywhere, you know, ring camp for, for WXW and whatnot. But here, you know, having this, it's like, I, you know, getting them back. I don't know what it... I mean, I'm not quite sure what ultimately this achieves other than something that can happen for really probably only a couple of months. Mm. And it never seems like a good idea to put the titles on a con, on WWE contracted talent. I, I think that's... that's it doesn't seem like a good idea. That's a... Yeah. Well, they're both on... Well, that's world title and uh, tag titles on WWE talent yeah. now. So, yeah. Do you think anything, Joe? Do you think anything's afoot? Well, maybe. You never know. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm. One New Japan guy on this show. Maybe no more mm. after this. Mm. Who knows? And a New uh, Japan guy who can do what he wants, really. I mean, he's worked NXT yeah. before, Liger, hasn't he? Yeah, so yeah. Not yeah. really a proof of anything, is it, in being on? No, exactly. Uh, yeah, interesting. That match was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest. I think I ended up on my phone during this match, <laughs> and if I end up on my phone during anything, and it doesn't happen often when I'm watching wrestling, but I'm bored. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts on the show? Um, Miko and Martina is probably the only other thing that, that for me. Was yeah, a, a it was the best notes. Martina match I've certainly ever seen. Um, mm, it was good. Say a lot. No, it was. It was. I enjoyed it for what it was. She looked up for it. She looked like she had a new lease of life, which is good to see. It's a bit of a weird juxtaposition, though. She's still doing, like, the old character and all mm. the dancey, drinking kind of connotations that go with the character. 
but then wants to be a serious wrestler. And I wonder whether she should maybe transition away from that if she wants to be taken fully seriously. Um, but there's obviously an improvement in what she's doing. And for what it was, I enjoyed it. She needs to evolve as a as a character. It's at that point where this session moth has kind of run its course for the time being. I'm sure it's something you can always go back to. But I think at the same time, if she's wanting to be involved in more wrestling matches then it's going to have to be a bit more of a wrestling persona yeah but I, I just don't think you can have your cake and eat it too with her i think you're exactly right joe that like i watched the video going in and she's treated all you know sitting down being really serious i was a little bit intrigued she's still the same wrestler though she still isn't yeah. coordinated as ever she's definitely better and i appreciate the effort but i almost don't want to see it i think martina session moth is a certain thing and that's fine. And she should be yeah. that certain thing. I just don't think you can do both, really. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it, it, like you said at the start, Joe, it's the best Martina match I think I've ever seen. But it doesn't say a lot, really, because I don't expect great matches out of Martina. Um, yeah. yeah just... I think it will be the best Martina match we ever see as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, yeah, any other thoughts on the show then? Um, overall, still a fun show. I found, again, personally, I found it an easy watch, even if you know it is mainly about one big match that uh, that people should probably check out. And I think the uh, the grapple ratings uh, bear that out too. I love the ending with David Starr emerging yeah. on the Titan Tron mm. in the entranceway and looking over the scene of Jordan Devlin living his WrestleMania ten wildest dreams. The uh, <laughs> Owen Hart, Bret Hart dynamic they went for here was great. Really sort of good homage, I thought, to that moment. Worked really effectively. Set yeah. things in motion going forward. And, you know, I can't yeah. wait to see another Star Devlin match because for me, along with Walter, in Europe right now, these are the three best guys. Yeah. Yeah, and they've got the best storylines between the three of them. as sort of a round-robin feud going right now as well. So, yeah. Yeah, hopefully uh, it does continue um, and we get to see more chapters in this story. But yeah, I suppose the uh, the spectre of WWE, as we always say, is, uh, is the is. thing to watch there. And and then the other issue, and it's something that I heard Jamesy comment with you on the, on the latest um, BWE that mm. you, did, you did on post, um, the venue crisis. Mm. It's like that's something that they're going to... How they get it remedied, God knows, and where they're going to be able to get... to find somewhere that's going to be in the centre of town you know, good luck to them, but that's another issue that they've got as well. Is there another city they could possibly run in that would get... Not Dublin, there's nothing Well I mean like, is, is there anywhere like, I don't know, like a Cork or somewhere? Yeah, but the they... other end of the country but it's I, in... I know that, but in I don't know. When they run Belfast, they'd run the buses back and forth, like at time of recording tonight they've got a show in Belfast, but when they when they did the last of the big show there, they had a bus back. I think it's two hours journey, isn't it? JP will know better than us. He'll know yeah, yeah. It's the about... geography for Ireland. But, it's yeah. finding somewhere. I mean, and again, I don't know too much. My impression of Dublin is it's always it's an incredibly expensive place to live and housing's incredibly expensive and it seems to be building hotels and houses as much as anything else. But at the end of the day, people need to go out and do stuff. So you do want to have theatres and venues for kind of culture and, and all the rest of it. I don't know. I mean, they deserve to have something that is uh, like befitting like the National Stadium, which we've been to, which is a cracking venue, but they can't use it all the time. And I imagine the rent on it is very expensive. Mm. So, and this show was a massive success for them. You know, like I say, with a with a good sort of strong Irish contingent behind them. So hopefully 
they're going to be able to find venues to get through because I think even the summer shows that haven't really nothing's been announced as of yet. I could be wrong on that. But. Yeah, it's a massive shame, isn't it, as yeah. well? Because you got to think if they find someone's even slightly smaller, and the capa- and there's not as big a capacity they're able to get in there, these wrestlers' fees are probably going to go up as well sure. with the bookings they're getting and the status they've got. And if they're making less money off the show as well, then financially does it become an issue for mm. the company as well? So. Yeah, I suppose that comes into the equation as well. Then do they have to push ticket prices up as well? Mm-hmm. Tough situation to be in. Let's hope they uh, resolve it. Definitely. Uh, I suppose that pretty much brings us to an end then for our, our first show on, on Grapple. Uh, before we go, I did I did actually want to throw something at you. I didn't even discuss this with you as a segment, but we're on Grapple. It's the match rating app. I was just wondering of the, uh, of the shows we've talked about today and the wrestling we've watched this week, do you have a, a match of the week recommendation for anybody from... Uh, New Japan Cup or OTT or or AAA even JP. <laughs> like, nothing from AAA. <laughs> Avoid it. Um, I, I mean, the one I've got as a sort of match of the week would would be Walter Devlin for me. Mm. Um, if I was picking something particularly from left field to to go with, I would say that Ishii Taichi match. Oh wow, that's yeah. the one. That, that's the sleeper recommendation. That's uh... the sleep one of like. Imagine, that's, that's much better than it has any right to be. Wow, I mean, if if I was going to go, I'd probably say I'd have Ishii, but it'd be Ishii Okada. I think I, I couldn't I couldn't really split that in the the New Japan Cup final in my brain, but I think talking it through, I think I think I feel more strongly about uh, Okada and Ishii. I don't know about you, Joe. Uh, well, I think Devlin Walter in terms of staying in the memory um, mm. is a really standout match, especially the way it's been promoted, especially the fact that this entire show that's going to be pro- a pretty notable show was based around this match. And it was a big sequel. We got the great hype videos and, you know, something we really look forward to for a long time. Whereas Ishii Okada, as great as it was, and I think you could make a real argument that it was a better match, um, I don't know if it will live as long in the memory, as mm. great as it was. Um, so I would go with Devlin Walter. Match I'd say that I've really enjoyed that I've watched. I've taken recently when I'm marking at home, which is great because I can leave work early, work from home, and occasionally I'll put NXT on in the background and just binge watch NXT in the background while I'm marking. And if I end up stopping my marking for a bit and watching a match, you know it's a good match. And a match this happened for was uh, Fabian Eichner and Axel Dieter Jr. against Ricochet and Alistair Black. This match was fucking awesome. It's NXT from a couple of weeks ago. It was the opening round of a Dusty Rhodes tag team tournament. Really, really good show. Like, four really good tag matches up and down the show. Um, Mustache Mountain had a really good match in there as well. Gargano and Ricochet had a really good match, but this uh, Fabian Eichner Axel Dieter against Black and Ricochet match was one of the best tag matches I've seen this year. It's like 10 minutes, complete sprint, completely different style to anything you're used to in a tag match usually. I'd highly recommend it. Not as good as the matches that we've maybe spoken about, but just as a 10-minute break. Ah, awesome stuff. Oh, definitely. I'll have to check that out then. Good uh, fair recommendation. I've got some NXT to to catch up on in general uh, with Takeover coming up. So yeah, maybe uh, that'll be a couple of my uh, 
ones to watch next week um but yep that pretty much brings us to the end of the show uh follow me on twitter at benson richie d follow jp at jpgp follow the grapple app at grapple app uh, you can download grapple on uh, the google play store and also the apple app store just search grapple no e uh, on both of those stores uh one other thing i wanted to say as well before we go if you have managed to uh, to listen to this show and got yourself to the end you've obviously either found our itunes or found our possibly stitcher um, i was trying to get it to go live but it might not be quite live yet or you could be listening on TuneIn, uh, Android, or Apple, wherever you're listening. Uh, if you, if there's the facility, please give us a rating. It does help, uh, especially with iTunes, to to get the word out. But just generally, yeah, if uh, appreciate uh, anybody helping us spread the word that we've uh, we've moved from Indie Corner, and you can now find us on Grapple every Monday. So again, yeah, thanks for listening, and yeah, uh, I do appreciate any assistance anyone can give us there. But yeah, we'll be back next Monday. We're probably going to be catching up on progress, subject to the school. Uh, I'm going to catch up on some TV. NXT uh, will be one, just based on that recommendation from you, Joe. Uh, there's Go Home TV from ROH I'm looking to get into as well. And we'll also be talking uh, our thoughts going into Mania Weekend, as well as all the other news and notes in professional wrestling. So, yep, yeah, that's it for another show. We'll be back next Monday. Bye. Yes, full combo. That was great, that. Yeah, that. Mighty. Double O fucking bollocks. Oh, my God, that was like an advert for the IRA. That's a... Yeah. yeah. Sorry. um, Have you seen the Barry Grant coming over to EastEnders? No, what? Are you joking? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, Brookside. Yes. It's on the digital spy website. Brookside legend Paul Usher, a.k.a. Barry Grant and Albert Square. Mate, you have, like... I've been ill all weekend, and all of a sudden, I feel like a sense of life again after hearing that news. I've not been, I've not, I watch EastEnders occasionally. When he's in it, I'll be watching On the Reg again. I loved him in The Bill. He was like this old man, Scouser. Brilliant. Apparently, his his character's going to be Danny Hardcastle. Uh, Just looking at the photos, he's got a, he's got a nice uh, farmer jacket on. He looks like a Paul Usher. Yeah, yeah. That's the actor what, name, yeah. What absolutely brilliant casting. Well, I don't know who's playing, but there he is. him and Phil have got to go up against it, surely. Short period over the spring. Come on. Oh, they are. Oh, look at him there on the square. That <laughs> is a match made in heaven. Barber jacket. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got to send that to my brother. Danny Hardcastle. <laughs> I'm sure we fantasy booked this year and asked Rev Joe. Oh. oh. This is how exciting... T-shirt designs, that's all I was saying, what seems to be doing. But... Yeah. This, I feel like this is like the equivalent of 
if Daniel Bryan had gone to New Japan a year ago, honestly, <laughs> for me, brilliant. Uh, you I'm really glad to get you happy, Joe. Oh, thanks, Beto. You've I'm also made... glad I'm recording. Yeah. <laughs> Are you joking? Yeah. I'm always recording. Mate. Your Mackie records <laughs> that entire thing. Right. Okay. Well, that's the intro sorted. <laughs>